Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport. We are on location this week at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, one of my favourite uh, arenas to cover boxing from. And alongside me, the one and only Mr. Gareth Day Davis. Last week, Las Vegas. This week, Bethnal Green. I'd say something, we get about us too, don't we? They're both iconic though, aren't they? I mean, no, we do get about, you have to. And boxing takes you all around the world through different creeds and cultures and different fight nights. And this is one of those bear pit places. Every time I come here, Adam, and I've been coming here since the early 90s, it always amazes me how small it is in here, because in my mind, it's much bigger. And, you know, 1,500 people get in what is basically a town hall. Mm. It's unbelievable. And I go back, and I remember Spencer Oliver was over over there a minute ago. I remember him boxing here, and I can distinctly remember people sitting on the steps uh, speaking their copy in journalists on fight nights here on a Wednesday night sometimes by the way yeah. and people smoking cigars in the front row as well <laughs> can you believe that people used to smoke cigars in this tiny venue while they fought venues like this have kind of from the mainstream fan kind of been forgotten a little bit because we've been used to going to the big stadiums haven't we we've been used to going to Cardiff and Wembley and all the big stadiums around the world and as I said two minutes ago we were in Las Vegas last week but I really enjoy coming to this because they are so intimate you can hear every punch you can you can hear the announcements in the corner of the instructions from each trainer to the fighter yep. there's something really authentic about a venue like this definitely and you can hear people shouting behind us right now of course <laughs> But you hear it from up on the balconies. And when you've got a grudge fight here, the atmosphere is fantastic. I mean, big names have fought here down the years, all the way back to, you know, like the Cray Twins fought here. All those kind of guys, the the blind beggar just around the corner is at the end of the road, the blind beggar pub where all kinds of shenanigans used to go on. It's the heartland. This is where the Marquis of Queensbury rules began. This is the home, the spiritual home home 
of professional gloved boxing. 130 years ago, ago of course, bare knuckle boxing was banned in America, and around the same time here, the Marquess of Queensbury was forming those rules for people who came from the Jewish, Italian, Polish tenements in all of this area. Our great friend Colin Hart was brought up yeah. just around here. Every man in the 40s and 50s, and obviously the guy behind us right now, um, they all did gymnastics, PE and boxing and played soccer. They played football and they boxed. And this place produced so many great fighters and some big names from, from our era as well. Lennox Lewis fought here, Joe Calzaghe. Yeah. I remember David, David Hay made his prof uh, professional heavyweight debut here mm. um, you know, after being a cruiserweight. It's a great place. It's brilliant to be here. It really is. It's quite apt that you've actually just mentioned bare knuckle boxing as well on the weekend uh, where we're going to be speaking a little bit about bare knuckle boxing later yeah. on the show with Pauline Malinaji uh, and Artem Lobov going at it uh, in the bare knuckle fight championships round number six. That's coming up a little bit later on. We'll yeah, get stuck yeah. into that, no yeah. doubt. Uh, but you are right. It seems every time I speak uh, to a fighter about fighting at certain venues, your call is always on the bucket list for them because of the iconic history, as you, which you've just been mentioning. Well, I think it's also, um, you know, it's got a proper stage. You walk down from the stage, it's got tiny little dressing rooms at the back. Well, it's a form of baths, isn't it? For the people it's that have never been here, yeah. it's a form of baths. We've, uh, we're basically in the in the main swimming pool area that has been boarded over. Yeah, and it's got, you know, the, the floor's been beautifully done in oak, and it's been here a long time. There's a bar in here that's always crowded. I mean, it does amaze me that when you look around, you know, it's probably, what is it? Um, 50 meters long with a stage at one end, um, a circular gallery, mm. uh, that, and, and really, um, that fits three or four seats wide all the way around the, um, the, the hall. And then the ring only allows 10 meters either side yeah. of the sides of the building. So whatever happens, when popular fighters are fighting here, the place is completely full, which it will be in a little while, and you just can't hear yourself think, yeah. um, which is not great when you're doing radio, but we'll be able to think and hear each other, hopefully. One, one thing that a lot of fighters have said to me about this particular atmosphere compared to the big stadiums is that they can block out the crowd in a stadium. Here you can't. No. You can hear everything. These guys in the ring at this moment in time can probably hear me and you having this yeah. doing this radio show. Come it's on, that fight! In, it's that intimate, and we're that on top of no, everything. It, Every fight has got the best view in the house it's crazy that is so true and like you say we get the privilege when we work on big fights in big arenas or even medium-sized arenas where we are normally sitting here you know we're in the front row but we're three or four rows back like you say if you're up on the gallery here you are the equivalent of looking down on the ring literally right down on it and you're about four rows back mm. so if you want to have a whisper to a guy you don't like you can do it while he's fighting in the ring I mean no it is extraordinary and, and I but I, I just remember covering people like um, Colin Dunn here in the early 90s, the Gallaghers, lots of travellers. Um, Billy Schwer fought here loads of times. Um, you know, it, it was just... But I, what I distinctly remember is Wednesday and Thursday night fights. Yeah, midweekers, yeah. Yeah, the midweek, it's a well, great we're here on a Friday night. We're here yeah. on a Friday night, and there's obviously an ex-gen car going on this evening, which we're going to speak about extensively throughout the course of the yeah. night, because Eddie Hearn's in, in Tom, will no doubt be picking his brains with the Anthony Joshua situation and everything's going on at, uh, at Matchroom Sport. The last time I was here, randomly enough, 
enough, Floyd Mayweather was here. And even he knew about the, the famous York Hall and the history that came along with it. He's obviously a man that's in the management game now, looking after the likes of Javonta Davis, who was here uh, fighting uh, Liam Walsh uh, a couple of years back yeah. now. But even the great Floyd Mayweather knew. Well, I remember talking to um, Lorenzo Fatita and Dana White from the UFC about it, and Lorenzo wanted to visit this area. Earlier today, I was with Big John McCarthy, yeah. the MMA referee who's now a, a broadcaster. He's working with Bellator um, at Wembley this weekend. And if he hadn't had a TV meeting planned for him today, he wanted to come over here. People love to come. It's a bit like if you come to London and you're a cricket fan, yeah. you want to go to Lords to see the home of cricket. Yeah. You want to see Wimbledon. You want to see Twickenham. If it's a pilgrimage, isn't it? It's a pilgrimage to see one of the hallowed old arenas where we haven't mentioned them yet. Carl Froch had his first four pro fights here, um, where the amateur championships used to be held here. Nigel Benn has fought here. I mean, loads and loads of names. Or, I mean, I think um, uh, Reese Velotti was fighting here tonight. I know he's on the show at some point with us. I think his trainer, Jim McDonald, fought here as well. Mm. So everyone's fought here. Everyone's got a memory of this place. Mm. And, it, and, and, and you know what? It's got that ambience when you go outside. It's hood. It's hood around here. And that's what's really nice as well. <laughs> what I like about this, if you're consuming this uh, via the radio or maybe you've downloaded the full show uh, as a podcast, you are definitely getting the atmosphere because we are right in the thick of all the fans doing this show for you tonight. Uh, Conor Ben's obviously on the card uh, this evening, the son of uh, Nigel Ben. There's some fantastic fights for us to talk about as the night progresses. And hopefully we will be speaking to the who's who of boxing because there's a lot of people in attendance this evening, one of which being Eddie Hearn. And uh, I think it's only fair that when we do get to speak to Eddie, we speak Anthony Joshua and what is happening with that rematch because the rumours are back in the November, start of December, isn't it? Yeah, well, look, I mean, we've got Joshua Ruiz presumably in November, December. We've got Deontay Wilder sometime in September rematching Luis Ortiz. And it looks like we've got Tyson Fury fighting TBC on October the 5th, potentially in Madison Square Garden. So we've just had the round of the big boys. We'll, we'll have a break. We'll go through the summer. We've got Dillian White and Oscar yeah. Rivas coming up. Dynamite Dubois, Daniel Dubois and Nathan Gorman. Two great heavyweight fight cards in, in many ways. And, and it's a great time because we will have had, by the end of the year, probably eight to nine really big nights when it's just heavyweights. And it makes a difference because everything else trickles down from there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have obviously been concerned about the Anthony Joshua situation with him getting beat against Andy Ruiz. Um, but you are right. It couldn't be a better time uh, for heavyweight boxing this month in time because we've got fight after fight after fight after fight. Yes, OK, Anthony Joshua got beat and he's lost his belts. Hopefully, from a British point of view, he can regain those by the back end of the year because then 2020 sets it up even more attractively for the super fights. That's what we want, don't we? I mean, we're lucky enough to have been in Las Vegas last week to see uh, the, the Gypsy Kings Vegas debut. Yes, OK, it was against Tom Schwartz, not an air-level fighter. But being around him last week, being around... The, uh, the, the momentum that ESPN are definitely creating over in the States. I'm starting to get the bandwagon now over there. There is definitely some serious momentum behind Tyson Fury. And if we can make the big fights and get Anthony Joshua back in the mix of those big fights, then we're in for a hell of a uh, 12 months, aren't we? There's no question about it. I'm really looking forward to talking to Eddie Hearn tonight. And stay tuned because we're really going to press him on, you know, there were so many... Um, there was, there, well, there, I just think there was a, there was a real, um, 
there was a real investigation, a real inquiry after what happened to Joshua. And, you know, it'd be good to put Eddie on the spot tonight and really talk to him about it and just see what the nuance, fill it, what really did go down. I mean, Eddie's put a very kind of clean, blanched face on it so far that, um, you know, it was a shock defeat. They weren't prepared for Ruiz doing what he did. But I do feel that there's probably more behind it because that's not the Anthony Joshua where you sing. Was it nerves? Was it a panic attack? Listen, I'm sure Tyson Fury, you mentioned him there, was incredibly nervous walking out. Mm. These guys, we forget, they are so cool, calm and collected. They have poker faces. But it's an individual sport where there is so much on the line. They have said so much. They've, they've, and they, they've got to produce and sometimes they just don't produce. The waters aren't right and something wasn't right with uh, Anthony Joshua on June the 1st at Madison Square Garden. Well, we're led to believe that the rematch will happen uh, back in the November, early December. We'll press Eddie Hearn on that a little bit later on this show. Uh, the who's who of uh, the British boxing scene are in the York Hall with us this evening, so we'll hopefully be talking to them as well as this uh, show progresses. Uh, you are listening to Fight Night on TalkSport on location this week at the York Hall. Welcome to Fight Night from the York Hall. You are listening to TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Gareth Day Davis alongside me. And as I said right at the start of the show, a little bit of a difference this from our uh, last venue that we were broadcasting from at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas last week. Uh, but boxing's boxing. It takes us all over the world and we're very fortunate to be covering uh, such illustrious fights. And one such illustrious fight was in the heavyweight division last week. Tyson Fury's Las Vegas debut. And we were ringside for that. And for me, Gareth, I don't know about you, the week was brilliant building up to it, seeing uh, the fantastic momentum behind Tyson and Fury over in the States with what Bob Arum, top rank and ESPN are doing with him, but more so seeing him live up to the expectation on fight night. I personally don't believe a Las Vegas debut could have gone any better for him. Absolutely right. It was scintillating. It was entertaining. He had the showman in him. He was Apollo Creed, wasn't he, from Rocky IV. He sang at the press conference. He sang to his wife, Aerosmith, Sweet Surrender. We sang Bye Bye American Pie with his mic drop at the end of the press conference. And then he went in a nightclub and got all the beers in. And what then he went and then he went and bought millions of drinks for people. It. Quiet night. <laughs> but what he did show as well, Ed, was that and I spoke to Ben Davison about this. I've done a big interview with Ben Davison in the Sunday Telegraph this week, in which Ben was quite critical of yes. Tyson Fury because he wanted him to have as much time in the ring as possible. And he wants to mentally break Schwartz before physically breaking him. That was the plan. But the truth is, I think, when he did that Europa dope, Tyson Fury against Tom Schwartz, and you've got to go back and look at it. It's all over Twitter and social media. He avoided six punches or seven punches yeah. on the ropes. Schwartz was exhausted, couldn't believe it, and Fury then went to his body and it was all over from well, there. What, but, he, what it was for me, and we were ringside watching that, there was a real momentum in the crowd then. When, like you say, he was on the ropes and he was dodging punches like he was out of the Matrix, the crowd were on their feet cheering that particular moment. He hadn't landed a shot, they were going crazy. And Fury kind of rose to that. He went, was, all right, you like a bit of that? Well, watch a bit of this. There was a, it was, like you say, it was like, whoa, wow, whoa, whoa. And Absolutely. It was a crescendo as each punch missed and you could see 
Tom Schwartz disappearing from 18 stone and six foot five to looking like a, a dwarf, basically. A little boy he, in there, yeah. He, he was like a boy in there, and, and Tyson Fury saw that, let out a left hand, didn't he, into the body, and from there it was all over. He did everything right last week. He went on massive shows in America, sports shows. Like you say, ESPN did specials on him. The faces of the American media looking at us all the time going, is this what this guy's like? Yeah. And people just going, oh my God, this guy really is a one-off. Well, at the moment. Let, let, well, let's give it on that. Let's yeah. give people a little bit of an insight into the week building up to that, because let's take people back to the actual press conference day. Press conference is scheduled for 12 o'clock midday. We're all sat there ready, rocking and rolling. Tyson Fury turns up early, about 20 minutes early, and he decided that he wasn't waiting for anybody. He went no. on stage and got his own microphone. It's funny, you know, I've, I've been in that Copperfield Theatre so many times, the big press conferences for Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Um, they normally start late for a start, yeah? So, they, obviously, the food comes out at about half past 11. It's a 12 o'clock start. Everyone's busy eating. You were setting up mics for a, yeah. for a show we were recording. And suddenly, who's on stage with Tyson Fury? Oi up, oi up. <laughs> All right, up, everyone. Wake up, everyone. Schwartz, get up here. Let's get Look, going. He is, he cannot be PR'd. And that's what Ben Davison was telling me this week. It's so hard to PR Tyson because he is just himself now. He's mentally well. He loves the fact that people are enjoying him and it's actually given him genuine confidence. He thought he needed to be this volatile bad boy before and say things to kind of make himself villainous, make himself famous. But he's realized that his actual story yeah. of depression, mental illness, close to suicide, coming back, being a fighter in real life, but a fighter against a disease that you can't really see that so many people suffer from he's now resonating with people and I think what he does he creates a mood that I don't know how he's going to keep it up to be honest with you um, he did it at the press conference he called the promoters up and the actual 15 minutes with Tyson Fury chatting on stage with Tom Schwartz with them both posing and getting on really well was actually really refreshing before you actually got to the what what is normally official. the official yeah, yeah. very conservative formal press conference and it and it kind of dipped when that started it was weird wasn't it yeah uh, speaking to a lot of American media last week as we did when we were doing our programs out there they were absolutely loving the authenticity of yeah. Tyson Fury because what they've been used to is a lot of manufactured chat around a lot of fighters not just heavyweights but a lot of fighters seem to have these stock answers when they are given questions and it's textbook. Well, Whereas Tyson Fury, you don't know what's, what, what's going to come back. But what you do know is that it's real. The biggest fights in America in the last decade, and I've covered all of them, have really been Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fights. And apart from the Conor McGregor-Floyd yeah. Mayweather fight, that was astronomical as well. You got the same thing from Mayweather every time. A big smile, the same soft questions. People are scared because it was like a bullying atmosphere. His whole crew in there, hard work and dedication being said over and over again. The mantra, his team, and Manny Pacquiao, 
praising God the whole time. It's quite a staple fair time after time yes. after time. Whereas with Tyson Fury, we got different all week. We got the Churchillian quote, we will never surrender. That was a brilliant moment. We got the walkouts to, to James Brown living in America. We got all these facets and what he did in the ring, which is why he can jape around and, and do his tomfoolery. He is a freakishly skilled 18 and a half stone, six foot 10 fighter. I've given him an extra inch there, yeah, yeah. just for the sake of it. Just, I want to say seven foot, <laughs> but he's not. But, but, but what he can afford to do all that, because he's also got in Davison, I, I went to the house where they were living uh, in, the, in the southern reaches of, 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 of uh, Las Vegas. And you know, it was a mansion the size of a small castle. There's eight of them living there. Isaac Lowe's on the card was there few friends, his chef, Tim, who's a close friend, you know, who's went through depression himself. Um, Christian Blacklock, who we spoke to on the show, Ooh. strength and conditioning coach, Ben Davison. And that's it. But Ben, um, you know, they, Ben and Tyson had the plan of coming up with the top hat and the Apollo Creed stuff, the music walkout. They got the mix done. They were wearing the Versace robes. There's no yes men around him. There's no there's no entourage as such. The family didn't come to the what I, what I find as an, outside, what, as an outsider looking into that relationship, there's an awful lot of respect from Tyson towards Ben, which I think is very, very important because at some point he does have to listen. You know, he does have to be reined back in. And when Ben speaks, Tyson listens, which I think is very, very important in that relationship. Yeah, it, no, it is. Listen, I am very, very privileged because I met Tyson, Billy Joe Saunders, and Ben Davison out in Marbella the week they first met. Mm. And I had organized an interview with Tyson because I hadn't spoken to him for about a year and a half. And I went out there, I was shocked when I saw him. 400 pounds, his voice was strange. We went running on the beach, all of us. Yeah. I mean, he was so big I could keep up with them. yeah? We went a four mile run, and I could see that Davison was the kind of character, Billy Joe loves him, Tyson loves him. People think Ben Davison's a traveler as well from the traveler race, but he'd grown up in Hertfordshire doing amateur boxing with Billy Joe Saunders as well. And that was the, the, the week that the two men clicked. And look what Davison did after that. He went, They clicked and he went and lived in Tyson's house for the next year in a spare room. In fact, the, Tyson used to joke for First of all, that he was his new bisexual partner. Do you remember? Yeah. He's got to make all kinds of jokes about Ben. But I tell you something about Ben. He's got great acuity. He's got a really wise head on young 26 shoulders, That's correct. your old shoulders. And he's got, like you said, Tyson Fury's respect, and he's not a yes man. If he doesn't agree with something Tyson's saying, he'll tell him. But what he does do, he's very good at understanding Tyson, and he knows what makes him tick. And he told me that he knows now, and he's managed to impugn on Tyson his needs and his wants to keep him well. He needs structure. He he needs training, he needs discipline, and he's got it in his life now. Just a couple of, quick, just a couple of quick points, because I want to get on to Anthony Joshua in a moment, yeah. right? But just quickly on Tyson, there's talk whilst we were over there that he's going to have one more, probably on the East Coast in New York, and then they're always going to filter down towards the, uh, the, the Wilder talking about, I think. For me, though, Madison Square Garden. I'm like, let's just do Wilder now. Yeah. Let's get it on. Well, it's funny, you know, because I know we're going to speak to Eddie, and we've already mentioned Joshua and Ruiz tonight, Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz. It wouldn't surprise me if that rematch doesn't happen, regardless of what Eddie Hearn says later. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either if... Uh, 
by the end of the year if something happens that we see Wilder and Fury in Las Vegas. But there is a big fight to build, and I think if they can keep it going for one more fight, yeah. Banana skins notwithstanding. It's a, um, lot, it's a lot easier to understand once you've been over in the States and no, seen what they they're building. doing. Yeah. No, they, they, Whilst you're a British fan and that's not been over there, it must be frustrating because you want to see Fury Wilder. Yeah, we were in the arena. Look, let me tell you something, right? They didn't sell out that arena for Tyson Fury because of the opponent. If Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight at the T-Mobile or the MGM Grand Arena, you will be paying $15,000 for a ringside seat. I can remember when Ricky Hatton fought Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Genuinely now, I walked out with those big green passes we have, yeah, yeah, yeah. which are on a lanyard, and someone offered me $18,000 for my press seat in row Ooh. three or four. That's the kind of money they'll be trading on if that happens. We need to get out there then. But, but, but Tell I, Mrs. Catterall the mortgage is going to get bent off. I thought you were going to ask me, and I haven't really thought about it, Ad. Yeah, no, she's right. The, the thing is this. Who are they going to choose as the next opponent? That's the difficult job. Yeah. And, and, and how do they... I think they can only afford one more opponent Knock that over. sells yeah. Fury to America. And just in case you've just tuned into the show, we are in the York Hall. That's why you're going to hear a little bit of announcements going on in the background. We're on location, uh, and hopefully we'll be speaking to Eddie Hearn very, very shortly. You're listening to TalkSport. at the uh, your call and we're with a man that is now set well you're 40 years of age now how is life at 40 years of age exactly the same to be honest with you i'm still handsome <laughs> Still a touch overweight, and I'm dripping with sweat in the York Hall. Which is actually, if you don't drip with sweat in the York Hall, you're not having a good night. It's packed in here, it's absolutely packed. It's a we've, we've waxed lyrical all night about the memories here, how cigar yeah. you probably remember cigar smoking yeah, here when yeah, you were a yeah, kid. Yeah. Um, it's everyone we've spoken to has got great memories of the York Hall. What a banging atmosphere for Craig Richards yeah. and uh, and it's Sterling. A old, it's a good old fashioned South London derby, amazing, you know, really good. Sterling, how he survived the 12 rounds, I don't know. Um, you know, obviously, you're in, an e in an area, for anyone listening to this, where the balcony at your pool almost hangs over the rope. Yeah, it's the third row. Got, it's the know, third row, isn't it? You've got Andre Sterling's lot up there, yeah. you've got Craig Richards' lot yeah. over there, and you're going to see another great fight with Cheeseman against Conway now. And, you know, you're right, everyone's got their memories. For me, growing up as a kid, coming down here, you know... Francis Ampofo against baby Jake Matlala, Mark Reefer, my dad's first champion winning his yeah. Commonwealth title. There's so many fights down here over the years, and we've seen so many, and, and you know, we're, we're lucky to experience Madison Square Garden and all these great places, but there is something about your pool. But, but it's, we were, Adam and I were saying while the fight was going, what's great is, you know, when you go to those big events, people have paid a lot of money to yeah. be in those seats. We're sitting amongst real hardcore yeah, boxing true. fans, yeah, yeah. and you feel the grit. You know that, Gareth, because people, the reason it's so crowded in certain areas is people have paid for a seat but want to be on the balcony yeah, yeah. it's like it's like this thing with your call where the best place to be is on the balcony yeah, well actually okay. that's the cheapest place to be <laughs> normally you want to be in the most expensive seats but you know it's something about your call where you come down here and it's always a proper old school crowd down here 
you know, you might get some of the new age boxing fans saying, oh, you're cool. There are many hipsters in here tonight. I've got to say, the, tra from you. The, changing, the changing rooms aren't the best. We flew over a kid from uh, America, one of our top prospects called Ofer Jones. Yeah. And when I sold it to him, I was like, mate, you got to join Matchroom. All the top venues around the world will treat you like a star. He's sitting up in a changing room with about four different fighters thinking, Things you've done in, mate. But it's all part of the learning experience. They've dragged me to this old theatre in East London. What's going on? Listen, Lorenzo Fatita, Dana White, John McCarthy, all these names from mixed martial arts wanted to come yeah, and visit yeah, this yeah. place. Let me talk. It's notorious. It, 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 it is the one of the tourist spots in the world yeah, yeah. for boxing. Right, we need to get on to Let's get some Anthony next. Joshua. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's the latest we had yet? Because we've heard that it's yeah. back end of November, start yeah. of December, it's, rematch. It's, I was said the other day it was between November the 16th and December the 14th. It's probably now closing in between November the 29th and December the 14th. So we're just weighing up. Basically, we had five different approaches in terms of countries, but it's basically between the UK and America, basically between Cardiff, um, and we're talking to Wembley and, and Tottenham. You'll need a roof, though, at that time of year, won't you? We might do. Andy Ruiz probably wouldn't, you know, he'd like a roof. We don't care. But there is the draw of Madison Square Garden, which is, in AJ's mind, the place where it went wrong. Yeah. And he does want to put it right there. It's very risky. You know, like, at this point in time, you want all the advantages you can get. And people might say, oh, that's not the way, you know, you're not, but let's be, let's be real here. He did go over to America to defend his belt. So to, to do the rematch in the UK, you, you couldn't hold it against him. I don't know which way it'll go, but I do know we will be making a decision over the weekend or early next week. Um, what's, you know, there's a lot out there about Ruiz, Ruiz's demands for this fight. Can you clarify what, yeah, what not, they are? I'm not going to talk too much. Yeah. Contractually, these are things you tie up before the first fight. Right. So okay. he got an opportunity out of nowhere. Contractually, as we know, he has to rematch. The details of which are already tied up. Okay. What we have to do is give a date and a venue. Um, is he agreed to come to the UK if it's made here as well? Again, it's you know these things are tied up in the in the contract before. So he had, like I said, he had an opportunity from nowhere. He made a lot of money in the first fight. He's going to make a lot more money in the second fight. And if he beats AJ again, he's one of the biggest stars of the sport. So he'll be rematching AJ. He believes he can win, by the way. Um, and AJ's got to win. It's remarkable, you know, I was talking to AJ yesterday, just saying like, it's crazy how you've spent the last two years and all people would talk about is your fight after the one coming up. This is the first fight you've had since Klitschko, where no one was even, well, no one's interested in what's next. It's just Ruiz, it's just winning. And going into the Ruiz fight, we didn't really know what he'd be doing in November, December. You know, Wilder and Fury were tying up, they're almost colluding with each other. And we were thinking maybe Pulev, and now we sit ahead of probably the biggest fight in the sport in Joshua Ruiz, the rematch. I mean, Mexico's gone mad for him. Definitely yeah. has the most interest, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he had a he had a civic reception in Perial yesterday, I know, didn't he? I, know. I was invited to it. I'd love to have yeah, gone. You know what? Because it would have been mad. He's, he's a nice guy. Listen, he is. I said to him, if we're going to lose to anyone, I'm glad it was you. Yeah. But we've got to beat him in a rematch. Uh, listen, I spoke to two people afterwards. One one is a rival, Bob Arum, and the yeah. other is a legend in the sport, George Foreman. Both of them 
said, and I know you, I know you know about conventional wisdom in boxing yeah. anyway. You've been around it long enough. George Foreman said Joshua come and speak to me, which I thought was brilliant. He he loved his comportment yeah. afterwards. Yeah. He said he is the ultimate sportsman for the way he acted. But George feeling was rebuild him slowly. Aaron's yeah. bit feeling was don't put him straight back in with Ruiz. Yeah. So why why do you want to do that? It's not really up to me, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, there is always this um, sort of line of thinking that Eddie Hearn decides who everybody fights. He makes you go in there and fight. I mean, I love the rumour about the panic attack in the change room where I literally apparently dragged Anthony to the ring and said, you must fight. Like, it's the most ridiculous thing. So it's not... You know, I don't go to Anthony and say, you're rematching uh, Ruiz. We've got a rematch course that must be exercised next. To get your belts back, you can't wait and have a couple of comeback fights and just expect to walk back in to fight for your title. So you're placed with the decision of do I build myself back up or do I get this opportunity and now just take it. and take yeah, it. Yeah. And the mindset of Anthony Joshua is I take my chance So it's now. down to Anthony, is it? Completely. Yeah. Everything, yeah. every decision is down to Anthony. And yes, there is sense behind taking some easier fights, but you can't really win, can you? Can you imagine the stick that AJ would get if he decided to turn down a rematch and take a couple of easy fights? So you can't win, but at the same time, I agree with them in a, in a way that I can see that having a couple of tune-up fights. He says a tune-up fight, don't want tune-up. Yeah, but the, the thing that's crazy is that you know, people say, oh, if Joshua loses the next fight, it's the end of his career. He's 29, he's had 23 fights, and he's lost to one man. Like, but it's very, very important. Yeah. You can understand that it is a longer way back, winning the, yeah, losing the second. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. But it's heavyweight boxing, it's prize fighting. And if you want to fight for all the glory, you want to fight for all the belts, there's always risk. And there's more risk now than ever. AJ said to me the other day, tell you what though, He's right down in the dumps, right down in the dumps. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what, though, it's always exciting when I fight, isn't it? I went, switch my name. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, every fight AJ's in is just non-stop Listen, action. We've, yeah, known no all al we've known all along. He's never put a foot wrong. You promoted him brilliantly. He's made £100 million or however much he's made. He's an extraordinary star. This is what happens in sports, and it's what happens in fights. And also, like, I know for a fact, Tyson Fury was incredibly nervous last weekend. You wouldn't have thought it, and I'm sure Anthony felt pressure going in there as well. You know? Yeah, but or maybe look, I'm, you not knocking, I'm, not not, yeah, I'm not knocking Tyson Fury, but Andy Ruiz is not Tom Schwartz. No, no, Tom Schwartz would not win that fight at any... Do you, do, you, do you think you, you, know, you had the pressure on you to pick a new opponent? Was he the wrong opponent? Uh, we you know, we're at MSG, we're on box office. We, he wants a real fight. Yeah. But everyone's talking about Wilder, this, oh, you're going to beat Ruiz. Maybe subconsciously it did take him too lightly. We'll find that in the next fight. But I will say it again, 23 fights. Dillian White, Klitschko, Brazil, Takam, Parker, Vetkin, Ruiz. These are the guys. He's had 24 fights. But you know, we've been fast-tracking him the whole time. And at times, things will break down in that ring where he's not experienced enough. Or sometimes he might not be technically good enough because he's still learning, he's still improving. But what do you want as a fan? Do you want to see that?
that excitement, or do you want us to slow track him for another three years? You get bored. You can't, and the way he's gone, you can't do it. I just want to get you on two things. Firstly, what's the latest with Campbell and Lomachenko? Nearly there. We're looking to try and do it August 31st at the O2. Lovely. I think it would be an amazing event to get pound for pound, probably number one, to the UK. And I know I always back my fighters, but I tell you, I think Luke Campbell's got as good a chance as anyone in that fight to win. He's a massive underdog. Loba's dad ranks him as the hardest yeah, opponent, exactly, really. You know that. Really yeah. really good. Two Southpaws, two Olympic gold medals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Campbell grew up around Lomachenko in the amateurs. It's a really good fight. Do you think we'll do it next week on that one? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, finally, Gillian White, what's the crack with the WBC? Get in there. I think it's going to be for the interim world title, the mandatory position. We just want a time frame. So the winner of Rivas against White, I believe, will be the mandatory for Deontay Wilder, and I can't wait. Top man. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Eddie. Enjoy the fights. Uh, you're listening to TalkSport. This is fight night. We are on location. That's why there's lots of atmosphere here tonight. We're at the York Hall. Great to talk to Eddie Hearn. We'll pick the bones out of that in a moment or two. You're listening to TalkSport. for Talk Sports Fight Night. It's me, Adam Castle, Gareth Day Davis, and I'll tell you something. It's very rarely I get starstruck at these events, but I am tonight. Listen, I, he's shaking his head, but I am. Listen, <laughs> I want to call him Lord David Weir right now. Yes, he's correct. not quite yet, but we are in the presence, and I've covered him for 25 years. You're aging yourself now, mate. Of, I know. <laughs> I, I think I've covered him in seven Paralympics, something like that, of a British sporting legend. I will in say that. David Weir. How are you, mate? You I'm already good, mate. You really didn't have to say that. We'll say that for you, mate. Right, Six times. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Listen, we know that you're a huge boxing fan. Huge boxing fan. Gareth's been telling me that you're a big, not just a boxing fan, but an MMA fan, a sports fan in general. Family members, obviously, took to the ring and what have you. How long have you been following the sport? Since the age of four. Um, I used to come up here and watch my brothers fight uh, professionally. And my brother's got old video clips of me. All he can hear is my little squeaky voice as a four-year-old screaming at him. Um, it was named Alan Ash. I mean, it was like, Asho, Asho, go Asho. And, um, yeah, that was my early memories of a big sporting event. And that's here. And every time I come back, it comes flooding back. Who were the, who were the fighters when you were a kid growing up that you looked to as heroes and inspiration? Um, Frank Bruno. I loved Mike Tyson, yeah. um, and and because my dad was a massive fan as well, uh, Duran. Oh, Have you seen the movie yet? I no, am Duran. No, oh, you've got to see it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's my mate amazing. said that the other day. You've yeah. got to watch it. Yeah, but yeah, it's that, out at the moment. You know, Hagler. Just uh, you know that era. I was a bit young, but I remember it. I remember the fights. Regarding that, then. Being a fan as a kid and obviously living through various eras, the Nazim era, the Eubank and the oh, Ben yeah, era and all, all that well, time yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where do you think British boxing's at at this moment in time? Do you think we've ever had it as good? Oh, I think it's it's blooming. It's it's amazing to watch. Um, not just on TV, but even coming to little events like this, you know, there's two great fighters now fighting. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's the best that I've ever seen it. Ever. I've, I've got to talk about you because I've been at all these events. You've won eight London marathons, yeah. right? You've won six Paralympic gold medals. Yeah. You've won six World Championship gold medals. Interrupt him if he misses anything. You've been David. competing in it all since I you were myself. To yeah. Be no, but I, I've written about all of these, and you've been competing at the very highest level since you were 17. Yeah. You're 40 now. I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, you're you're built like a brick 
brick butterhouse. Yeah. Um, and That's more fat now than the No, it isn't. <laughs> and I hear, Birdie tells me, that you're going to be fighting again in Tokyo at the Paralympics next year in the marathon. Is that right? Just one race, yeah, the marathon. If I get selected, um, obviously the London Marathon didn't go well this, this time, but um, I had a few problems leading up to it with infections and stuff like that. So I broke that one off, but I've got the rest of the marathons at the end of the season. So Berlin, Chicago, New York, um, see how well they go. And then I've got a few marathons before, before Tokyo next year. And then we're saying, if I get selected down, you know, I'd love to put that GB vest on again and um, represent Great Britain. You would clearly have been a boxer if you hadn't had the kind of disability with your legs, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. No, no, you and I have oh, spoken yeah. about it a lot of times. Uh, I, I was in fact, the last it, time yeah. we spoke about it, we were in the Goring for lunch, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. And we were there about four hours, and I think I we racked up. I hope you yeah. And we were doing shots as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> we had a long lunch. Was John Major there that day as yes. well? John Major was what in there. What a random tea party that is. No, there wasn't. Was Olympic yeah. champion, you and John Major. Yeah, it was a very random. <laughs> it was great. It was. Yeah. It was, yeah. 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 Listen, it's always great to see you because you always come up and say, I've got a new boxing friend or I've got a new like Ricky Boylan and all yeah. these guys. Because yeah. you associate with, with fighters and it's the way you go about your sport, isn't it? And I think with the area I'm from is that, you know, I don't know why we breed fighters or sports people. We just have, like, I'm from West Sutton. London, isn't yeah, it? yeah, Sutton. So, you know, we've got. MAA fighters and we've got boxers and you know and me doing uh, the Paralympics and stuff. So I don't know why there's something in the water around that area. Well, I'll never forget you tried to start a fight in the um, in the Paralympics once go. in the start Here room, we go. and it was against an Australian. We didn't mind. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it had gone wrong. Do you remember it was a false start, wasn't it? Well, uh, the story is that so we're lining up for the for the race and underneath before you go out to the stadium in Beijing, uh, Kurt said, "What lane am I in?" And I said... Uh, this is the Australian, yeah, said, his oh, rival. I said, you're in seven. He said, oh, I was meant to be in two. Oh, it was the other way around, I can't really remember. But And then he said, oh, don't matter, that's a better lane for me. And then, because he lost, he put a protest in to say they gave me the wrong lane. And then... Well, David won the gold, by the way. Yeah, so then they said they were going to rerun the race. And I said, no, there's no way you're going to rerun this. I was going to swear then, but, you know, you're not going to rerun this race because I've still got races to go and I've won my first gold medal and I don't need it to be taken away from me. They took it away from me for a bit and it went a bit AWOL. Underneath. These huge arms went across yeah. the start room and were grabbing at an Australian. Yeah. And it was going to, we were going to get wheelchair and bare then, knuckle fighting. And then anti-doping, it went off a bit as well and anti-doping as well so um, you yeah. say all this though with a twinkle in your eye like you enjoyed it of course I did <laughs> <laughs> it was fun at, no it wasn't fun at the time because I was stressing out because I thought I was going to have my medal taken yeah, away yeah. from me so I didn't need to do another race do you, do you think I mean you've just been talking there about obviously competing again in the marathon next year at the Olympic Games do you think the, the fire for competition will ever go out for you no, but I know when my time's up, yeah. So I know when I'm retiring in my head now. But I've got a date in my head. But what about if you're going to win gold again next year? Oh, yeah, but then there's a good way to bail out, <laughs> isn't it? I um, if I win, I win. If I don't, I don't. You know, I, I'm happy with my career and what I've done. Um, you know, I, I, 
can't take nothing away, especially with all the marathons I've won. And the London Marathon's been special to me from, from day one. Uh, regarding, get back onto boxing, shall we? Because obviously we've had a, a little bit of a, a turbulent time in the heavyweight division over the last couple of weeks or so. Obviously Anthony Joshua getting beat at Madison Square Garden. Myself and Gareth were out watching uh, Tyson Fury's America. Come on, who's the basically, who's the number yeah, one That's basically where I'm going. Who's your man? Fury, Wilder or Joshua? Tyson. Just because the way he bosses the ring, you know, and the way he gets out of punches and the way he got up from that uh, punch from Wilder was something special. You're, you're a bit of a showman as well, and, I can, and I'm, I'm sure you appreciated his ring walk last week. Yeah, it was amazing. But do you know what I appreciate most? And I can re relate to Tyson with, with, with depression and, you know, going right down to the, to the barrel and then building yourself back up. And I've got so much respect for him for that. You've been more, more yourself, about though. the boxing, so, yeah. you But know, you've been he's through a great yourself, yes. so you know. Yeah, I know. You know. I know where he's been at, and I know how hard it is to go from the bottom and, and build yourself right to the top again. And He'll stay there now because he's he's got great people around him. Yeah. You've never done a Vegas event either, so you've no. got to come out and do a Vegas event with us at I some will, point. Definitely, you know? 100%. Yeah. I know that you were joking about that dinner uh, that you had with Gareth, uh, where you were on the old lobster omelettes and what have you, yeah. and the shots and enjoying yourselves. But part of that conversation that you two had that day was obviously the disappointment of the Olympic Games. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just wanted to give the listeners a little bit of a, a picture because they might think oh, yeah. six-time Olympic champion, you know, but the disappointment of obviously Rio last time out is what you're talking about. Yeah, Rio was, you know, it was a devastating performance from me um, and everything that went on with, you know, with the coach back, backstage and stuff like that. Um, it killed me after. It, 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 you know, it destroyed me when, when, you know, someone's telling me I'm not worthy to wear a GB vest ever again, or, you know, I threw a race or whatever rubbish they wanted to throw at me. It, it you know, it, it, I went to the deepest and darkest place that I've ever been yeah. in. Not just through sport, but just, you know, it was just pressure as well. I've, you know, I've had pressure since I was 17 year old to, to, to deliver. And if it wasn't to deliver on the track, it was to deliver at home or support my kids or, you know please everyone else but myself and that's the way it got to I wasn't I wasn't pleasing myself anymore I was pleasing others just for the sake of it and I, I just went to a but also, but also people forget and I know because I covered seven or eight Paralympic I was one of the first to cover Paralympic Games with David wasn't I yeah. there wasn't anyone else doing it how hard you guys had to work and fight to just make a living yeah. it's different now it's different since London 2012 yeah, it's, it's, when you became the werewolf all that stuff you yeah. know, it's different it isn't is, it? yeah it's different and, um, and it's better that we're getting recognised you know yeah. even coming up on the train I forget and you get people walk past and go legend yeah, well, on that day at the Goring, I mean, we, yeah. we, we, it took us an hour to get there from the Telegraph. It was like, it was only a half a mile, but everyone wanted a moment with you, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, it's, it's strange, but I like it. I like because, not because I'm, I'm big-headed or anything like that, I just like that we've been recognised for what we've done in this country for Paralympic sport. And if I can bring that forward and, you know, my next generation with my, my guys at the Academy and stuff like that, the Weir Arch Academy, you know, and, that, and that's what I want to do. I want to build the legacy of wheelchair racing and, and keep it growing and growing and growing. Well, that's what I wanted to just finish on because I know that that's what you were doing. How's all that going? Is the next generation of talent bang on? Yes, yeah, it's going really well. We've got um, a lot of juniors doing well, going to the World Juniors in, in August in Switzerland. Um, what type then, of coach are you? Do you know what? I'll leave that to my coach. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a... Um, 
don't do this, do this, don't do this, sort of, um, you know, I'm more of a technical guy, they'll ask me about technique more than, more than training, but if I see someone who's struggling, I'll say, pull out of that one, wait, have a rest, do the next one, because I know how it feels. No, because so, the coach you had, Jenny, Jenny Archer, hard. is a very hard person, very, hard. very tough, beautiful tough. woman, yeah. beautiful person, but hard muscle. as nails like him, hard, hard. as But nails. I needed that as well, like, yeah. I, I needed yeah. a... I kick up the arse now and then and, and, and you were the grumpiest teenager I'd ever oh, met when you were really? 17 oh god yeah you didn't smile till you won your first gold I know. at the Paralympics that was about 14 years later <laughs> well, now look at him now look at the smile exactly you've so done it all so been there seen it all much appreciate yeah. it mate you've done it all mate um, you are listening uh, to uh, find out on TalkSport I'm no doubt these two are going for uh, a lobster omelette and a few shots in a minute or two yeah. we'll carry on with the show make sure you stick with us <laughs> this is it the time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Uh, the legends keep on coming on this show, let me tell you. We're at the York Hall uh, for Fight Night here on Talk Sport. Um, I thought it was just about to kick off there in the crowd between Adam Booth and Gareth Day Davis. It will. No, he's, he's just been a little. Listen, he's always a little bit physical with me, and I quite enjoy it. <laughs> you do have a smile on your face when he's. Uh, getting I love a Adam Booth. I, I'll say it while he's turn. here. Listen, <laughs> quick. He's taking a listen, weird turn. Um, just like we had David Weir on earlier, right? David Weir is a British sporting legend, and this guy, what this guy Adam Booth's achieved with so many fighters, as a teacher, a mentor, a coach. Um, a counsellor, all these things. What you have to go? What you have to know? Wait, Listen, can you hear me taking 20 pounds? <laughs> the Dark Lord is here. <laughs> and regarding your current crop of fighters, there's a lot of excitement there. Um, obviously, I want to touch upon uh, Ryan Burnett first, if that's okay with you, because he's had his uh, comeback fight. He looks extremely well. Where is he at at this moment in time mentally? Because it must have been extremely heartbreaking to lose his title the way that he did. Yeah, so we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, he's at, according to his uh, social media, he's, he's, having in a whale of a he's having a whale of a time, isn't he? Yeah, I'm still stuck in the gym. He's in Marbella enjoying himself. But what's the plan for him going forward? When, when are we going to see him again? Well, let's see. Ryan, 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 as far as I'm concerned, Ryan's a world champion. He didn't lose the fight. He got injured. So the, 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 the moment the first world championship opportunity presents itself to him, to, to, for him, we'll take it. Get him straight back in there, of course. Um, Josh, uh, Josh Kelly, for those that are listening to the show. Recently, it's been a little bit weird with Josh because if you follow anything on social media, people do like to chirp up, don't they, and make, make their comments. What have you made of all maybe the, the negativity that has come the poor lads' way? I just, I, I just tend to ignore it. I mean, you, you look at the negativity that gets spouted out in the early part of careers of a lot of great fighters. It's always the same because he's the type of character that they're, they're either going to love him or they're going to hate him. As long as they have an opinion, that's all that matters. We know what Josh's ability is. We know the level that he's been matched at right from the get-go in his career. And, and, and already in his 10th fight, he's mixing it with genuine top 10, top 10 grade fighters. So we're very comfortable and confident with where he's at. It's all about what we believe, what we do, and time will show everything. Well, I, I was very disappointed with this performance in Madison Square Garden, only because I love his showboating, but I wanted him to showboat when he's dominating, not showboat when he's not dominating. And I, and I, 
I could see what he was doing. Listen, I love him, man. I think he's tremendous. I think he's going to go on to be a great fighter. But I, I, it's my only criticism that he was trying to show too much there on the night instead of outboxing the guy and then going to showboat. Do you know what I mean? Well, he did outbox. Like, he won the first four rounds relatively comfortably um, and then just made some, made the wrong decisions yeah. in the middle rounds. But it, isn't that the whole point of making fights like that? So yeah. he learns the lesson yeah. now so that when he's at world level, he doesn't make those same choices. And that's why I've matched him hard right from the get-go in his career because it's the only way of him fulfilling his potential. And we had to go to someone like Ray Robinson, who's a genuine top 10 contender, for Josh to be asked those first questions. So I'm actually excited because I know that once those questions get asked and he realises, OK, I made the wrong choice there, I made the wrong choice there, I know what he'll come back with. So, no, because I know what you're like. You don't tell someone what they've done wrong. You ask them. And, and I wonder when you debriefed with him, did he know... Did he know where he might have gone wrong? Was he aware of it? Does his IQ in fighting terms allow it? His ring IQ is, is exceptional. And on the night, just like all these fighters nowadays, they go straight to social media and see what people are saying. Yeah. And they need to learn to ignore that. Because once he went home and watched it by himself, he, he, he was much more realistic with where it was at, what he did right, what he did wrong. We genuinely believe that what he did won. Tell you? What did he tell you, Adam, when he'd watched it and we, rang you? The first time we watched it, he scored it. We both scored him the winner by two rounds, yeah. possibly three. Yeah. But in a ten-round fight, if you make silly decisions to allow someone, even not to land, just to gain some momentum, for three rounds, automatically that's going to make it a lot closer than it should be. And I think that's what it will be next time out. I think you're going to see Josh probably a lot more spiteful, a lot more dominant. And yes, they still got to be the showboating because the showboating actually has con little controlling skills involved in it. It's just when to use those little controlling exactly, skills. Exactly, that's what I meant. Yeah, and, and yeah, to yeah. make sure that you, yeah. you know, you're dominant. But that's the lesson to take from that fight after only 10 pro fights. Um, Joe, uh, let's go Joe Joyce then now, because obviously he's uh, he's with you, um, having spent a little bit of time in America, he's now over in uh, your camp, and I'll tell you something, speaking of matching him up, they're not messing about, are they? They're speeding the guy along, he's get, he's taking some proper fights on in a relative, I know he's in his 30s now, but when it comes to professional bouts that he's had, he's still quite... Quite a novice, you'd say. Well, he's Olympic silver medalist. He's 33 years old and probably one of the strongest heavyweights out there. Um, he's got a very, very quirky style and rhythm that is effective because you don't win Olympic silver medalist. And actually, I thought he beat Tony Yoko in the final. So essentially, you don't win Olympic gold medals with a quirky style if it doesn't work for you. The worst thing I could do as a coach is actually try and refine it, which is what I'm not trying to do. I'm just trying to give him a little bit of understanding of certain scenarios that are going to present themselves to him so that, he, so that when they do present themselves to him and what he does doesn't always work, that he's got something else to go to. How far away is he then from the top five in the world? If you go by the Ring magazine rankings at the moment, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Andy Ruiz, uh, Dillian White, and Anthony Joshua. Well, how far away is he from those five fighters? Well, I think I think July the 13th is going to tell us a lot. It's going to it's going to give us an idea of how close he is to being a 
genuine top 10, top 15. Because I know Brian Jennings, he lost on points to Vladimir Klitschko. He, he looked beat, all right, though, but he looked all right. He beat Mike Perez. He beat know? Mike Perez, and I trained yeah. Mike Perez yeah. for that fight. And he's grown. Yes, he got stopped by Oscar Rivas in his last fight. But Oscar Rivas is a very, very good heavyweight. Correct. The, 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 I, I was surprised though. that Dillian White has taken the fight with him. So kudos to Dillian. So I think certainly the 60-40 fight for Dillian White, that you feel? Listen, if that okay. fight, if that fight you think was, it's a 50-50? If that fight wasn't in England, I'd make it a 50-50. Wow. Okay. So that's how we've got to look He's at it. He's small though, isn't he? So so was Mike Tyson. So was Jack Dempsey. <laughs> No, no, I, I, but he's not Jack Dempsey or Mike Tyson. He's a very, he's a very effective. Boxer. He's unbeaten, so we don't know how yeah. good he can be yet. So, yeah. you know, let's we got we got to judge it on what it is at the moment. He's an unbeaten heavyweight. He's just knocked out a dude that Vlad Klitschko couldn't knock out, and Dillian White's taking his fight when he didn't have to. So how far away is Joe then? Well, I think. I mean, if he's, if he's, if he's good at against me, Jennings, ask me that question uh, on the 13th of July. Because yeah. yeah. you can't argue with the resume, Brian no. Jennings, and then obviously no. we've had the men's Devern already on there yeah. as well. If you've got two of those guys on your resume and you've not even had 15 fights yet, you're in the mix, aren't you? Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and what, what he needs now is a couple of significant wins against top 10, top 15 opponents, where his name can actually go straight into that mix. In 2011. 2012 and 2013, when David Hay and Tyson Fury never met, who would have won that fight? Who would have? Won, I'm just asking who would have won the fight between David Hay and Tyson Fury. Look, look, I'm always going to pick my man. I made the, I, I made the fight, and, and I didn't make the fight thinking that they were going to lose it. You're asking the wrong person. You're, you're, you're going to get my belief from the decision I made at that time when I made the fight that David would have won it. Which Tyson, Tyson Fury now and the David Hay is peak who would have won? Well, what a, now, now, now okay. you're talking, right? Yeah. Because that's, over, that's the the right question. Of, over the last couple of years, Tyson Fury has evolved. David Hay in his peak was ferociously quick. Great fight, though. No. And you've got, you got a six foot nine dude with freakishly long arms and knows how to protect that chin and has shown, shown the heart of a genuine world champion by getting, on, getting up off the floor against certainly one of the hardest punching cruiserweights of all time because he carried that way up that power up to heavyweight that that would have been a, a real zinger of the mat, of, a, of a matchup because Tyson Fury now is a lot better than the Tyson Fury you love him now don't you yes. like, listen how can you not, not love him have respect for what he's done yeah. Yeah. in that Deontay Wilder fight alone yeah. sensational just a quick one then before we let you go just on trainers because Rob McCracken has come into a little bit of criticism off the back of the AJ loss Ben Davison's got some fantastic kudos off the back of the Tyson vic uh, victory just recently on that, especially the Rob McCracken one, when people are throwing shade on Rob just off the back of his man getting one before. I never, I never pass opinion on coaches that I've never worked in the gym with. You know, I've, you know, I've been, I've been uh, sort of the benefactor and, and on the receiving of, of criticism and praise through my career as well. And every time I see it, all I think to myself is, even if it's praise, I take well, thank you very much. But you've never spent a second in the gym with me, so how can you pass judgment on what I am as a coach if you don't spend time with me in the gym and you understand my philosophy and what? There was a lot of criticism of, of of Rob not shaking Joshua up on the night, there wasn't there. I and mean, listen, it's by the by. They're still very close. You know, one bad night does not ruin his career. And that's when, the end. Of when it, Ben really. Davison took Billy Joe Saunders in the corner that that, that time when against uh, Mehmet yes. right now. Now I heard a lot of people criticizing the hell out yeah, of Ben yeah. Davison. Oh no! Now yeah, what yeah. they say? Yeah, yeah, you understand? Yeah. Time shows everything. Yeah. Time will show us everything. Let them do their job. Let them. 
people go about what they do, and, and, and once they decide to walk away from the sport, then maybe we can judge them. Top man, Adam, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you, you listening to Talk Sport. We're on location at the York Hall, that's why there's a bit of atmosphere in the background. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. D.I. Guess who's back? You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport. It's me, Adam Catterall, Gareth Day Davis. On location this week at the York Hall, so that's why you've got a little bit of ambiance in the background of the show. And we are joined by a man uh, that has uh, lit up not only the boxing world in the ring, but outside the ring as well, with his now world-famous podcast, Pound for Pound. One half of Pound for Pound, Spencer Oliver with us uh, on the show. How are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm really good. The other half's on his way, actually. Jake Wood's coming down as well. This venue, this, this venue just attracts everybody, doesn't it? I heard you guys speaking earlier on about the history of the place. Now, I'll go right back to my early days. I won my first junior ABA title here. Yeah. I won a schoolboy title here. And it's just it's just such an iconic place. And it gets such a buzz and an atmosphere about it. You can already feel the place building up. And I think we're in for a special night. Talk to me about next-gen cards, because me and Gareth have spoke about them extensively, that we kind of like the idea of not putting too much pressure on young fighters, but giving them the showcase to go and do their talent and get used to topping bills. How important is that as a young lad? Really important. Listen, I love the next-gen shows because it does, it takes the pressure off. It's not, you know, they're not, you know, so much up there on the spotlight. They get a chance to showcase their skills. It's for all the young guns coming through the next generation. And, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'll give you a little story about the last next-gen next gen show that I worked on. It was actually last summer. I worked here, and, and next-gen shows are very casual. You see, we dress in jeans. We dress in T-shirts. I rocked up in a three-piece woolen suit last time we was working because I forgot what it was all about, and that's the true story. See, me and you have got the memo today. Yeah, well, Gareth, Gareth never, he, he never goes casual. He's always dressed for the occasion, aren't you, big boy? Well, listen, when the music was on just now, I thought it was the Ministry of Sound, and as you know, I was up out of my seat, and you were both laughing at me horrifically. He, he, he was up out of his seat, he was shaking his shoulders, and may I say, Gareth A. Davis looks very vintage tonight. I think the word you're looking for is vintage. What, you mean like 60s? <laughs> yeah, that is my vintage, unfortunately. Um, there, is, there is a beauty, though, about how relaxed these shows are, aren't they? You know what I mean? It's, an inter- it's a Friday night, that's the thing. But, Gareth, you were touching on it before. This venue's iconic for midweek fights. We're used to seeing guys have a knock on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. There's something beautiful about a Friday night card. Definitely, and I think I might have covered even a, a, a Spencer Oliver fight here in the early 90s, yeah, or he, mid-90s on a Friday night. Do you know what I mean? When Billy Schwer used to fight here as well. Do you remember? Yeah, I do, I do. I feel like my second or third pro fight here against a guy called Ricky Beard who was called in on the day. I think he was laying carpet at the time. Yeah. He got the phone call because an original opponent had dropped out. He said, how much? Yeah, deal done. He'll be here. And then he turned up and he said to Barry, how many rounds do you need, Barry? Barry went, I need at least three rounds, mate. Third round comes. You see him waving at the ref. Meand. Meand. It's a story of the place, man. The place is brilliant. I love it. I love those, it. Those stories haven't died out, though, because Shannon Courtney's got a similar situation tonight, hasn't she? You know what I mean? Her, her opponent's the last minute. Yeah, Shannon Courtney's got a new opponent in tonight. She's um, she's supposedly zero and one, so she's lost one out of one, and she's supposedly 18 years of age. I've seen her. She looks 12, and she definitely would definitely have to show ID to get in any sort of pub. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> the stories of the York Hall. Well, and also we've got we've got a permanent guest on the show behind us tonight, who's who's passionately involved in the fight that's going on in 
the ring. I say you're a, you're a special guest on our show tonight, sir. Yes. Yeah, keep going. No, we're just talking about the atmosphere. It's amazing here. Yeah, yeah so this, this, this is um, Anthony Fox's father that's behind us. Oh, okay. So Fox has gone into this contest against Dwayne Sinclair. Sinclair's 10-0. Fox has won six out of his last eight. Lost 12. He's a big underdog. But guess what? He's pulling it off here. And that's why his dad's in the back screaming his head off because his son's just about to pull off a big shot. The, the, the funny thing is, as well here, um, there is the, the, the atmosphere builds and the heat builds here as well, doesn't it? Because once it's full of bodies, it is so warm in here that it must be great to come out because you don't have to warm up, do you, when you're, when you're fighting here? No, you don't. There's a real, real atmosphere and a real buzz about this. I'll tell you what it is about this venue that would create such special fights, this venue. Ben versus Kulva. This is going to be that. On the undercard of an Anthony Joshua fight, would be just sort of like a 12 round, a 12 round, but hold on, I've lost my way. Adam Booster's come over and showed me a photo. Of you two looking of, like a couple of, of Muppets, of, of, yeah? Of the Muppets, so yeah, me and him. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Yeah, so this fight tonight, the top of the bill tonight, on the undercard of a big show, of a big Ben, uh, a big Anthony Joshua show or something, I don't think the fight would catch light. I think Ben would sort of like just, you know, hustle his, bust his way through 12 rounds. Because it's in this venue, with these balconies, these crowds screaming, I think we're going to get something spectacular tonight. That's what the venue brings. Do you know what I mean? It brings a real atmosphere and brings the best out of fighters. How, how hard is it as a fighter fighting in here and sticking to a game plan? Because the crowd is like, it's like a coliseum. Adam, I'm glad you asked me the question because you can't stick to a game plan because of that. You know, we've got 1,200 people in here, max capacity. You know, there's a balcony. It's like a, it's like a ball ring, and um, yeah, you you don't stick to the you don't don't stick to to the to the script. You go out there, the bell rings, and everybody starts screaming. Before you know it, you're standing toe to toe, giving everyone what they need, what they want. And I think like we've got Cheeseman versus Conway, we've got Ben Covola, and we've got Richards and Sterling. Them three fights there, all three of those are going to be barnstormers tonight. Should be crackers. Listen, I want to talk to you about a couple of fights that happened last week. We've we've, we've done the deep brief on, uh, on Tyson Fury. Let's get stuck into the uh, Warrington-Galahad fight. It was nip and tuck. It wasn't the prettiest. How did you see it? Yeah, no, no. Warrington winning the fight. I thought he nicked the fight by a couple of rounds. Galahad had the opportunity to win the fight. He was dominating at some points, but he was pot-shotting. He was throwing single shots and then he was being too negative. He was tying Warrington up and Warrington was trying to force the pace. He was missing a lot. Yeah, he was. But he was the one trying to best forward. If you want to go and win a world title in a guy's backyard, especially in Leeds, you've got to go and rip the title from him. And I don't think Galahad done that. I think he had the skill set and the, and the tools to beat Warrington. Yeah. But he didn't use it. I think it was a blown opportunity. I think I saw Curtis Woodhouse actually put something out on Twitter on the on the Monday, and the way he described it is, with, is that Galahad laid the table but never sat down to eat, and that's probably the best way of describing it. Absolutely. You know, he he, he knew the blueprint. He had the blueprint out to beat Warrington, but he didn't capitalise on it. He went out there. He was throwing single shots and just trying to nick it. I agree. You can't nick a world title. You got to go out there and you got to win it. And he's got the tools to do that. He's got the ability to do it. And he didn't do it. It was a, it was a blown opportunity in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, I watched the whole fight. And I thought, I thought, Mr. Fox is getting very excited behind us, isn't he? Yes, Mr. Fox is getting very excited. That's because he's called Mr. Sinclair. His son's called Mr. Sinclair. he's wobbling. With a good right hand. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and who knows what's going to happen if Mr. Sinclair... Oh! 
<laughs> that was a whistling right hand. You see, it's very hard to do a radio programme when there's a live fight going on in the background, especially one as entertaining as this. Gareth, as you so, were saying, sorry, just, on, just, just, a fight going on. Sorry. just as what you were saying about Warrington Galad watching it last yeah, week, your thoughts yeah, I watched it last week. I, I really agree with you. The weird thing was... I thought Galahad looked the better boxer in there, um, and I thought he was going to be the box fighter in there, um, but I thought, like you say, there was, as the fight wore on, there was something of a lack of ambition there in a weird way. Mm. Um, listen, one of the judges scored it for him anyway, Howard Foster, I think, scored it yeah. for him. Um, I, I didn't believe he won the fight. I thought Warrington won the fight. I would like to see them fight again. I personally would like Warrington to go to America. Yeah, and maybe he deserves it. Santa no, Cruz or it. Valdez or something like that. I don't that. think he beats either of those, by the way, either. Take a few fans, though, won't he? Uh, listen, last week you were working on the World Boxing Super Series, weren't you? Yes, so, Talk to me about that elbow. Well, what was that? Bradus, um, yeah, Bradus was in with... Kowaki. Kowaki, yeah. Brace was boxing Kowaki. Now they get into a little tangle. Second round, I think it was. Kowaki catches Bradis on the back of the head. It was such a blatant elbow and a clean out, but he whacked him full in the face. To me, he should have been slung out for it, or at least, you know, um, Kovaki should have been given the chance to recover. But the ref virtually picked the ref lost the ref lost control of the fight. Yep. The ref virtually picked him up, let the fight continue. There was all hell going on in there. The fight, he was clearly not recovered, Kovaki. And he took another couple of shots, went over, the bell goes, they go back to the corner, third round he comes out, still clearly gone. And then he's getting he's getting punched again. Oh, sorry, the bell went. Sorry, I've got to go back. Yeah, yeah. The bell went, but 20 seconds later, the fight's still continuing. It was such a shambles that I'm trying to recall what part happened at when because, I mean, it was one of the worst. It should have been ruled a no contest. Yeah, I agree. It should have been a no totally contest. Totally no contest. And not only did he leave the ring victorious, um, Bradis, but no, there was no complaints or, or anything going on. It was one of the most bizarre fights. I've been covering fights now for 20 21 years, and it was one of the most bizarre endings to any fight I've seen, I think. Not endings, just the whole fight. Yeah. If that happens to you, you're screaming all sorts in the corner, aren't you? The elbow, the shot that was 10 seconds after the end of the, the second round, then he ends up getting put out there. Obviously, the final, Bredis Dotikos, is a great final, but there's no way that he should be in that final after what we saw in the semi. No, I totally agree, and, and, and Dotikos as well. I mean, he done well in that semi-final against um, Batiti because he was... He was, he was he was losing the fight at first, but he stuck to his guns. He's so heavy-handed. He's getting consistent pressure, pushing forward, pushing forward. And what a finish, right-hand finish. You won't see a better finish than that for a long time. And that sets up a brilliant final with Breedis. And um, it's going to be interesting to see where that fight takes place because yeah. that could prove to be the winner for the for the for the person that gets home. Yeah, advantage. I agree with that. What do you what do you make of the World Boxing Super Series? Are you a big fan of that that round robin knockout tournament style? I, I'm a massive fan of it. I love it. I love the fact that they get you know the best fighters at that weight division in there, all the world champions, and they mix it out to see who's the number one. It's like it's like old school. It's like going back to the old times. And I really agree with it. I think it's brilliant because the winner of the World Boxing Super Series is the 
number one of the division. We've got so many titles going on now, your IBOs, WBOs, WBCs, WBAs. You know, it just makes a little bit of a mockery of it sometimes. So World Boxing Super Series is really, yeah, it, it stamps the authority or stamps the champion number one of each weight division. I love it. Let me just say, you mentioned 21 years just then, and I was at the Sergei Devakov fight when you had the brain injury. And I just want to say, like, and I do feel quite emotional about this because we've become good friends over the years. Sure. And you mentioned 21 years. It's 21 years since you recovered from that. Absolutely. And it's so brilliant that we've got you here. Yeah. You know, it really is, Spencer. Do you know what? I used to really struggle with it for the first five or six years. I used to get into deep depression on the day of the 2nd of May because I was like, oh, my whole career has been taken away. But now I celebrate it because I think what a good life it's given me. Yeah. So I, I, I look at it on the flip side and say, you know what? That door's shut on you, you go, what could have been? But I tell you what could have been. It could have been a long, hard career. I could have had a load of money in the bank, but I wouldn't know where the bank is. Do you know what I mean? So I look at the positives from it now and go, I'm celebrating life, man. I'm with Adam Catchall, Gareth A. Davis, we're sitting <laughs> ringside. And, and you are part of the fabric of Beth a brilliant Green. era yeah. of British boxing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And you were, he was a terror, by the way. Yeah. He still he is. Called, what are you talking about? He still is, man. No, no, it was terror when you go on a night out with him. But yeah. what I he mean still is, is Gareth. <laughs> That's why they called him the Omen. The Brilliant. Omen. Brilliant. Listen, thanks for being on the show, yeah, man. Much appreciate Thank you. Uh, stick with us. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. And we are uh, currently joined by Shannon Courtney, who's fresh out of the ring after yeah. a fantastic victory here at the York Hall. Just having your uh, gloves uh, unwrapped, taken off. Yeah. Last minute opponent, right? We'll go, we'll go to that first of all. Yeah. Do you find that frustrating? A uh, 24-hour notice, getting the call, that the opponent's changed, the mentality's got to change for yourself? Um, the mentality doesn't change. It's still the same objective, still the same end goal was to get her out of there. So it doesn't affect me too much. Just annoying me, had a little bit of a game plan and and I'll adapt to whatever's put in front of me. 
I'm just leaning right into you here. I can feel the heat coming off your body right now. I mean, look, you're a, you're a spiteful, aggressive, come forward fighter. I didn't like the look of her at the beginning of that fight, to be honest. No, because I no because I know how vicious you are. And what, what, no, I mean, listen, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from your victory tonight. Adam was advising me not to go down this route, but I'm going to go down it. All that worries me in women's boxing sometimes is that it's developing so rapidly, I don't want to see too many mismatches. But that's going to happen regardless, because because in women's boxing there's a massive jump. You've got novices first starting out, and then you've got elites. There's no middle ground. So I'm working in the gym with Charlie H and Adam to learn these things that I'm going to need to know when it's championship level, and that's why they're getting me in really good sparring. They're overmatching me in sparring so that when it gets to that level, when I'm fighting, I'm used to it. Do you know what I mean? So it's all, it's all learning. And yes, tonight she was she wasn't the best of opponents, but I can only fight what's in front of me. Of course. I was screaming at the referee to stop it when you first had a hurt. You had a hurt in there in that first round, didn't you? I had a hurt a few times, and to yeah. be honest, I kind of believe that maybe she should have been stopped when I put her down the first time. But Correct. Then, but then again, they don't want to be kind of judged as, oh, they're stopping early because it's a woman. They didn't worry about that when Frank Bruno was knocking people out here at the Albert Hall, you know? Yeah, but it's a little bit different when it's a heavyweight and it's two bantamweight no. women. They're very cautious of yeah. how it comes across. You might be a bantamweight, but you've got a heavyweight attitude. Let me ask you about another thing. Um, I was out in New York a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Uh, obviously, Katie Taylor, I tried to put you on that card when you were in the studio. Do you remember? <laughs> Um, Katie Taylor had a victory over um, Delphine Persoon. Yes. Um, it was an incredible fight to be at live. There was so much action. It was toe-to-toe -to -toe kind of tear-up. Did you think Katie was lucky to get the decision? Yes. I, I, obviously you whispered I, that then. Yeah, We're no, on radio. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to obviously people look. I'm on match room. I'm a sky fighter. People yeah. are going to want me to say, no, no, no. But, but I'm being true to myself and I don't believe Katie did win that fight. But it's a fight that I from your point of view, fighting in this cauldron, I mean, I'd say something, they're on top of you, these fans, aren't they? They were screaming, screaming all sorts. It must be very difficult for you as a fighter to be able to block all this out because it's very obvious that it's here. Listen, I love it. I've got great support and I love it. One kind of support me just spurs me on even more, so I can't complain. Superb, well done. Congratulations on your victory. Go on, go on, get yourself changed. Well, congratulations. Uh, Shannon Clawney there. To see you Superb stuff. And uh, what you wouldn't have seen in that particular piece is that Shannon has a little bit of a, a, a pre-fight ritual where she goes for the red nails and gets it all painted up. Listen, I know what you were saying there. You were right. It was a mismatch. It was a last-minute, last-gasp opponent. It was a 24-hour replacement, but she can only beat what's in front no, of her. No, no, that's what I said. I don't take anything away from Shannon. I, I've got so much time for her. She is so talented, Adam. She has got such great great movement the way she does things um, but I, it just worries me as Jake Wood steps in yeah. it just worries me I was just saying I didn't want to say any I'm good but how are you um, I, I don't want to take anything away from Shannon ever because she's such a great fighter but some of the mismatches in women's boxing does worry me a little bit well I think particularly tonight she was a late replacement I think 24 hours I think she had one fight one loss yeah you can see straight away shouldn't have been in there right decision by the referee uh, yeah I think you're right Gareth you know I don't think it, it shows the sport off that we love in the best light so uh, yeah it's huge boxing fans that is a concern but onwards and upwards you know Shannon is doesn't take anything away from her she's just got to do what she has got to do and yeah I suppose whatever's put in front of her uh, but yeah it's surprising that you can't find a better opponent than that within 24 hours but that's Eddie Hearns job isn't it
Listen, Jake, we've been um, speaking quite a lot about Tyson's performance uh, last week. I know you're a big fan of his. I know that he's been on your podcast. Where were you? You've had a you should have been there with us. Uh, Next time. Listen, he's got filming yeah, obligations. I've got a day job. I've got a day job. <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. But what did you make of his performance last week in Las Vegas? Beautiful. I think he's improving all the time. I think, uh, you know, the two warm-up fights he had for Wilder, obviously he's, he lost all that weight. I think Wilder is probably, I don't know, 50, 60% of what, what, what I feel like he could probably get to. It's that difference now, isn't it? When he's training, he's training for a fight. He's not training to lose weight. Uh, he looks in fantastic shape. I thought he would go points. And in fact, I had a bet that um, Tyson would get knocked on his ass, come back and do him on points. Uh, I'd had a look at um, Schwartz, and I liked the look of him. He was heavy-handed. He was a tough guy, 24-0. and 0. Um, Obviously, I'm proven at that level. But I was impressed with what I saw, and yeah. I thought Tyson would have to be on his game. Um, he was obviously out to make a big statement. Bob Arum, they'll put a whole load of money behind him. But I think the whole week, all the stuff that I heard Tyson, every interview I heard, he was so relaxed. Uh, Too relaxed, he was worried. That's what made you probably think, because Schwartz looked the part, no, didn't he? Not. Until they I stepped just, into the ring, Jake. I, I you disagree know? with you, though, Gareth. I think he was relaxed, but I think he was focused. No, I was around him. What I mean was, I spent a lot of time with Tyson in the build-up. He calls me Russell Crowe, by the way. Do you yeah, know yeah, that? you do look a bit It's like so him. funny. No, no, it's so funny. Um, listen, when you put 30 pounds on, we can fight, OK? Because I'm waiting for you to get to my weight. But why, you need to why, don't you cut? why don't you cut? No, no, he's got to put... No, 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 the deal is... <laughs> we'll meet in the middle. The, de- the deal is... Yeah, exactly, we'll meet in the middle. You've got to put 15 pounds on, I'll lose, 50, and I'll lose 15, and we'll do a charity fight. Okay. But I'm allowed to kick, yeah? All right, I don't know about no, that. The, but the thing is this, I was around him a lot in the build-up, yeah. and, and, and he is amazing to be around, but I was... I said to him at one point, in the middle of the week, we've been around you four or five times now, and you're so relaxed and so entertaining, I keep forgetting that you're fighting a six foot five, 18 stone man on Saturday night. He was very nervous, I understand, on the night going in. Because the guys don't show it. That two weeks earlier, Anthony Joshua was incredibly nervous as well. Yeah. And we forget that, you know, you know, you do a job where I'm sure you get nervous when you do a new acting role or and you've got to ease into it. They've got to just yeah. pr- press a button and go, flick the switch and go. Yeah. Things go wrong sometimes. They did for Joshua and as you say, it was perfect for Fury. Yeah. It's interesting you, know? you mentioned Joshua there, Gareth, in terms of uh, in terms of their performances and, and how they were on the night. It's obviously something was not right with Joshua, whether it was nerves, whether it was fighting away from home for the first time. No one knows, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to what went on before the fight. But you're absolutely right, you know, uh, where AJ looked out of sorts and not, not, you know, maybe not in the zone. Uh, nor, nor Rob McCracken, I hasten yeah, to add, as really, well. Yeah, he, so. His coach was off the pace that night as and well. And Rob McCracken never went to the press conference afterwards, which, which worried me. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think things are right in that camp, and I think they need to look at that and address that. If they get the uh, rematch with Ruiz, they're talking November, December. Uh, I think they need to make drastic changes. I'd love to see Tyson Fury now appear on EastEnders at some point as well, <laughs> pulling the old-style caravan through the square or something. Yeah. It'd be brilliant. No, but it's the kind of thing he could do, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know all, what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like... We'd have him, we'd have him. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding that showbiz element of things, you must have been impressed with the ring walk because he seems built for Vegas. When he comes out dressed as Apollo Creed, you must have been sat at home going, this is a bit of me, this. Happy days. You know, my, my one worry, I suppose, uh, Adam, we've seen that stuff is whether, you know, that puts a lot of pressure onto a fighter. Yeah. We've seen Nassim Hamid, you know, all of a sudden he's finding, you know, his ring walks were amazing and eccentric and over the top, which I love. But, you know, all of a sudden he's coming in on a magic carpet. I don't want to see Tyson <laughs> doing that. But, um, but actually, I'm quite reassured with Tyson. I think, you know, given his journey over the last, whatever, three, four years, 
especially the last couple of years of waiting. He's lost the mental health problems he's had. I think he's been to the darkest places it's possible to go. And he just, for me, just seems like a really level guy. As he said, as he said in the interview afterwards with uh, Steve Bunce, I never take myself too seriously. You know, I, uh, you know, I understand. I think he understands the sort of uh, the showbiz element of yeah. sport, and I think he understands all sides of it. I don't think he'll get lost up in that. So for me, it just seems like a perfect marriage. Bob Arum, Tyson Fury, it just seems it's come at the right time. He's got all of that life experience. He, he, he's been to the darkest places, and I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll let it run away with him. I think he'll take it with a pinch of salt. And as we know, Tyson's very cheeky. He's got a great sense of fun, and, and uh, I think, he's just I, I think boxing fans should enjoy it. He's I think just it's a real golden age for boxing fans, and I think Tyson Fury. I think people will look back in years to come, and I think he'll be one of the best ever in the sport. You know, I'm, you talk about movement and stuff like that. There were a couple of things yeah, he did. Freakish. And I know it's Thomas Schwartz, but you know when he's on the ropes and he's ducking four or five and he's coming off and he's digging him in the gut when he's spinning round. I've never seen a heavyweight move like that. No, and I'm talking about Muhammadi, maybe, but I, I think he's uh, he's different level. Yeah, yeah, it's no question about it. Having been in the house with him last week, one of the things about him is I think when, when he won the world title against Vladimir Klitschko four years ago, three and a half years ago. And I backed him for that fight, by the way. Did you? You were yeah, one of the very few, you, Frank Warren, yeah, yeah. and a few others. Yeah, yeah, no, you were spot on to do it. What, what he never got was the right amount of praise because of comments that were made and how the, the section of the community that he upset at the time. He's a different person now. We forget he was 26 years old at the time as well. People say stupid things, say he was trying to be controversial at the time. Yeah. And he's realized that, and I think, well, you know, when you feel the love, you can be yourself. And I yeah. think that's what he's being. But I do give, and I've already praised him on the show, Ben Davison has been brilliant for him as well. Yeah. Another young young man who's shown great acuity around him, yeah. who is now, you know, called Tyson Fury, called him his counsellor. Now, I've got to ask you as well, Scott, is it Scott, your brother from yes, EastEnders Scott here Mazzle, tonight? Yeah, he's played, he yeah. plays Jack Browning. I'm, I'm the good-looking one, Gareth. Well, yeah, but he looks like he's got a bit of a boxer's face, yeah? He, Has he boxed a bit? He's done a bit, yeah. He's a big UFC fan, but you can you can ask him yourself. No, because I want to know who wins out of you two when you spar on set. He would, he would batter me. He's got, oh, he's really? quite, he's quite, got height. He's got height. Scott is ex-Marines. He's, uh, oh, is he? oh, he's right. a dangerous dude, so, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Does he do groundwork as well, then? I don't mean digging ditches, I mean fight. <laughs> no, I don't, I mean, think, fight. I don't think he does any UFC, but uh, he's, he's, he's looking he's over like he wants to come on the show. Yeah, we'll get him on in a minute. Does he get a bit yeah. of jealous? Do you get jealous for airspace? <laughs> you are the better looking one, right? Thank you, thank You're you. the better talker. Yes. Yeah, we love you more. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to wake I'm going to give him a wave. We'll get him on in a minute. Yeah, we'll get him on Listen, in a minute. Just before we let you go, obviously, yeah. with the pound for pound podcast that you do with Spencer, I'm not that you spitball this all the time. Is the Wilder rematch for Fury the biggest fight to be made in boxing right now? I think so. You know, unfortunately, with AJ losing to Ruiz, it's kind of he's kind of dropped out you know what was significant for me Adam was uh, during the Fury fight the Schwartz fight I never heard AJ's name mentioned once you know by any of the commentators and all that and I said that to Spencer on the podcast and I think that's um, significant for me it's uh, you know is the rematch Ruiz the best thing I don't think so I no. think he should take a couple of some time out I think he needs to rebuild I think he needs to make uh, big changes you talk about Tyson Fury's camp about Ben Davidson and the people that he's got around him that's a really tight small Men. Solid team, yeah. The, the, the people I've spoken to afterwards for Joshua, Bob Arum and George Foreman, both told me don't go straight into the rematch yeah. unless technically you can beat the guy. 100%. And that's the problem. He's got to go out and knock him out again, 100%. not outbox him. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, I think it's a very dangerous decision that. It's, uh, because if he loses that, and I think there's a really good chance that he will, uh, there's nowhere to go. What's on the podcast this week before we let you go? Uh, we've got uh, Nick Blackwell. Tragic actor three years ago yeah. had a big
big fight with uh, Chris Eubank Jr. was in a coma, uh, was told never to box again, uh, went into a sparring session again uh, about six months after that, sparred 12 rounds and then was in a, a coma again for about three months. Um, it was a really interesting chat this week, very, very, uh, very emotional. I know from Spencer as well, it hit a lot of buttons because obviously what Spencer's been through, Spencer's been through something similar, but I think Nick has had to make a, a lot more uh, progress coming back. Uh, he's had to learn to walk again, learn to talk again. Uh, hopefully, you know, as, as we found out when we talked to him on the podcast, he's making good progress. But here's a guy, 29 years old, his, his life will never be the same again. And uh, yeah, sort of the dark side of boxing. So that's what we do on the podcast. You know, we try and cover all sides of it. So uh, yeah, we talk to the, you know the champions. But I, th- I think it's a really important story that you know we give time to, and, and I'm, I'm really pleased that we did that. No, absolutely. iTunes, pound for pound podcast. Make sure you go check it out. Thanks a lot, Jay. Much appreciated, mate. Hey, you listen to Fight Night on Talksport. Don't go anywhere. In Bethnal Green for fight night here on Talksport, and I'll tell you something, the famous faces just keep on coming. We had his brother on a little earlier on. <laughs> You're the good looking one. Well, he said he's the good looking one. He said he's the good looking one. Scott Mazen from EastEnders, the man that plays Jack Brannan on the show with us tonight. Listen, we had the man that plays Max Brannan on earlier on uh, talking about. Say the boy. The boy that. The boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. His love for boxing and his obviously his podcast with Spencer and what have you. Obviously, you're a huge fight fan as well. Yeah, but no. your love is more mixed martial arts, is that right? Yeah, yeah it has been. From I, I was I was a taekwondo and um, judo boy back in the day. I was in the Royal Marines as a as a, yeah. as a youngster. So mixed martial arts um, was something that I loved. I loved. I mean, boxing. I started boxing. Obviously, boxing's always been the number one for, for most people coming in. I mean, UFC and, and mixed martial arts is kind of a modern, new, sort of gladiatorial sport. And I was someone with boxing, he used to me off, you know, to hold it. And you can see it tonight a little bit, you know, when they get tired and they and they clinch. At least with UFC, if someone clinches you, you can pick them up and throw them down and beat them up. Sorry to say that, but I'm sorry. Sorry, we'll get the bleep button on that. Is that that you're saying that? Because we've got a fantastic uh, Bellator card in London. Uh, Tomorrow night, yeah. I mean, a massive Melvin Manoff, Paul Daly, Gagon Musasi. I'd love to come. Do you want to come? Please. I want to be involved in anything to do with, you know, the, the Bellator or the mixed martial arts in London. I, I love boxing and I love all, I love all, you know, the, all the arts. But I am a, I am a junkie when it comes down to UFC. Yeah, you got them tickets sorted. He'll take you down. He'll well, sit you on the it, TV. Man. Job done. Oh, I, I might, might be doing a bit of work on the TV tomorrow night. Might even get you on. Did you ever get mistaken for Alex Reed, though? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, is that a compliment? No, you're a very good-looking man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex Reed is a very good-looking man. I don't expect you yeah. ever to dress like I'm a gonna, I'm not going to make any bad comments about Alex Reed. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got, no, we got, we got him. Do you still train in it, Do you still train in it? Do you know, I train because um, it's addictive, isn't it? You it know? is. And, 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 and the levels, you know, the sport itself is so, it's an evolving medium. You know the deal. These guys are sort of, every time I watch one, it's, it's just evolving. And um, yeah. the levels, the levels that they're at. I mean, it's incredible. I'm 48, so it's like, I love I love to watch it. There's no way I'd ever get involved at this age doing it, but the training is a different level. But when you think that Randy Couture was fighting at the very highest yeah, level man. at your age, yeah. 47 he was yeah. when he stopped. Leota Machida yeah. knocked his teeth yeah. out with a crane kick, yeah, if you remember. Exactly. Yeah. That was the end of his career. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. just did it to Chael. I was there I in, watched that. in yeah, New York. Yeah, yeah. That's a shame. You, you know, Chael, Chael is, I love Chael. I love Chael, Sonny. I mean, he, everyone sort of loves to hate him because he's that classic. I mean, 
bad guy, isn't he? He plays the bad guy, but actually, you know, he's been in the sport a long time. Anyone that gets in that cage, I have nothing but respect for him. And the same up there with those Billy's boys. It's like it's easy to pick it to pieces and say, oh, you know, they clinch it. You know, his hair look tired, he's gassing. But it's a massive, it's a massive effort, and it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's the end of a massive camp. These people have spent a long time with a lot of people. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that I love to watch, I must admit, I can't get enough of it. Who do you follow from the British scene then? Who, who are you keeping an eye on? What, UFC? Yeah, yeah, UFC, Bellator, whatever. You know what, I was watching Edwards until he got smacked recently, I mean it's... Leon Edwards, Leon, yeah. yeah. And his brother Fabian, who's fighting... Fabian, yeah. I mean, I grew up with a guy called uh, Mark Epstein. Oh yeah, I know him. So Mark, my best my best friend at the time was George, his brother, and we, we all grew up in Jewish... Jewish cage rage and Jewish, everything, Jewish, yeah, yeah, Jewish Jamaicans. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was Mark the Beast Epstein. Yeah. So, you know, we've always had it, and we grew up in, in Woolwich in South East London, so he learned most of his uh, his skills on the streets. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, on the streets. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'll say. But on the British scene at this moment, Sam, you just mentioned Leon. I mean, he's got a great fight with Rafael dos Anjos coming out, hasn't he? You know what I mean? And this could be his real breakout moment in the UFC. Listen, that, that, the, the, the actual, because you know, everyone looks at UFC and thinks barbaric. It's, and it's still people still today. I have to say to them, look, you know, when you consider that this sport is, you know, every martial art that you can imagine mixed into one and that they're having to work in a way where they're evolving all the time. You know, even going into wrestlers, it used to be the wrestlers would beat the fighters. That was always the way in the early days, wasn't it? They get in, they take a punch, they get you down, they ground a pound and they'd have you out. I mean, we got Khabib. And then they lay and pray, as we say. They lay and pray, yeah. 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 But now you're getting to the point where you're seeing these, when you have people like Khabib, yeah. which are just dominating wrestlers. Genuine hybrid transitional fighters. Fighters, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Round to stand up is absolutely. equally as kind of adept. Yeah, yeah, and that thing about being thinking that you can just go in and land this, you know, this awesome strength punch. They're laying out so many different things. That's chess, you know, and I love it. It's the modern gladiatorial arena for me. So do you do you and Jake then have many back and forths? That he's a boxing man, you're an MMA man. No, Does just, it go? No, it's the same thing. We love yeah, yeah. we love watching competitive sport. You know, I think I mean? you smash him like I do. <laughs> I want him to come up yeah, 30 yeah. pounds in weight yeah. to fight me. Yeah, he gives it a large. Yeah. No, but I need him to come up 30 pounds in weight to fight me. That's <laughs> no, Spencer and him, apparently, together. They're brilliant. They love each other. Do, no, you, can, do you, like we do, like, you know, we've, we've been in Vegas, we've been in New York recently. Mm. Do you enjoy as much coming to an atmosphere like this, where it's real boxing folk, where, you know, you've got people kind of... It's just this real boxing. This is the mecca. When you think about British, British boxing, I mean, you know, in the south, I came here young, as a youngster with, you know, what the ABA is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And watching, you know, you used to come here, and this place would be packed with. It's like football when you're a kid, when you're in a school, and your mum takes you with your family. Yeah. You know, people come here and they're open. And they're, and they're all smoking cigars. And they're all, they're all yeah. Yeah. And that's just the women. And that's the women. Exactly. <laughs> Selling cockles. Selling cockles and whelks. You know, if you're lucky. <laughs> but comparing this to the Wembley's that we've been looking to go to recently in the Cardiff City Stadiums and stuff like that, this there's something still very authentic about this. Crossroads and, and, and that element in whatever it is, you know. Those, 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 those grassroots areas are always where it's it's the most fascinating to watch because people aren't under pressure in the sense of I look at the one AJ, you know what I mean? All that pressure put on him. I know everyone said you've got to be able to stand up to the pressure, but you know these these guys they're they're, they're putting in the rounds, they're doing the work. You know, and at this level, this is what actually grabs me because this is this is as true as it gets. Yeah, top man. Listen, Scott, enjoy the rest of your night, mate. Thank you, mate. Take, take care, Thank my man. Thank you very much. Super stuff. As you can see, we are on that location just slightly yeah. here.
the uh, York Hall here in Bethnal Green because it's absolutely kicking off. Um, you could go back. You can. You can. You, <laughs> you can go and enjoy yourself, Scott. He wanted to stay on the show. That's what I like to see. Someone who's that enthralled in the show, they want to stay on the show. That's what it's all about. Top boy. Is it? Boy. Listen, yeah, but that's what I like to see. Speaking to a local man who's come here since he was a kid, that he's absolutely in love with fight sports and really still gets a kick but, out of coming to a venue like this. No, but what I really like about Scott is he is a fight guy. He's 47 years old. He's, he's grown up in boxing, but he loves his mar mixed martial what, arts for, as well. 47, 48 years of age. He looks he looks 10 years younger than me. He's done, I, reckon, I reckon that's a wig. It's got to be a wig, that. No, you can see why the guy was in the Marines. He's got that physique. He has, he has. No, no I think question. he beats Jake. I'm sorry, Jake, but I think he beats him. <laughs> the Battle of the Brannings. We'll have to get in on some undercard somewhere. Listen, just a quick one before we obviously move on to our next section. I just wanted to bring up Kel Brook. Yes. Uh, because he's obviously come out this week to kind of quash a few rumours that he isn't retiring because that did come out. Regarding him chasing fights, it could actually be a stroke of genius, this, because... I don't want to confuse people with the welterweight situation, but over in America, PBC and Al Heyman have got a lot of the welterweights signed up. Terence Crawford, for me, is the best out of the lot, but he's not a PBC fighter, he's a top-ranked fighter, and he's going to be looking for fights very, very soon. We know that Errol Spence Jr. is going to be fighting Sean Porter, we know that Pacquiao's fighting Thurman, Crawford needs a knock. Could Kelbrook get that fight? Wow. He needs to fight someone, Crawford, doesn't great, it? I mean, it's a great call, Adam. I would love it. I think we should be calling Bob Arum right now, really. It's a great opponent for Crawford. Um, and, I, and, you know, why couldn't they put Crawford on the same card as Lomachenko and Campbell? That'd oh, be amazing. With Kelbrook you know? as well, bring them all both here. I mean, I don't know if they can afford that card to have that, but it'll be an amazing card. Look, it's a great shout. Kelbrook, for me... He's in better nick than Amir Khan. Um, you know, I think it was a massive call for Amir Khan to try and do something against Terence Crawford. Um, Kel Brook, we know, is coming close to the end. I think it was a, it was a if, a, if there's a cry for help from a boxer in terms of them wanting a big fight, that was it last week. I'm glad he's clarified it's not over because I think he has got one big fight left in him, maybe even two. Um, Will he struggle at 147 though? Because he has, you know, he has been floating around 147 and 154. Do you think he's going to find it tough to get back down to welter? I think if he had the right opponent, you mentioned Terence Crawford, I hadn't really thought about it. Perfect. He'll get up for that, yeah. or get down for it rather, yeah. you know, but he'll get down and wait for it. It's a great matchup for him actually, because he's got the kind of style. And Crawford he's needs a fight, let's be straight, he Listen, needs a fight, a legitimate opponent. Cal Brook's skills have always been in the mid-range, and that's where you need to fight um, Terence Crawford in the mid-range. And you know, he's got the skills to make that a very interesting fight for at least two-thirds of it in my view. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that. It's a great call. I'm going to get on the phone to Aaron <laughs> over the next couple of days, and we're going to chase this fight. He needs to be told. It'll be made in two weeks, then. If you're on the phone to Bob Aaron, it'll be made in two weeks. No question about that. Uh, listen, it's been guest galore tonight. Just a quick one for you. If you've only just tuned in, we are on location at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, uh, and this show will be available as a podcast. You can download it via iTunes. You can also get it via our website, talksport.com. We've had Eddie Hearn on the show. We've had six-time Paralympic gold medalist, David Weir on the show. I'm still in awe of that, by the way. Uh, and you'll be able to hear him if you download the podcast, so make sure you do. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport.
we'll call for finite in Bethnal Green. Uh, this next piece comes with a little bit of a explicit warning. Lock up your daughters, lock up your wives. The main man, the main man is here. Yeah, <laughs> is it Playboy Boetsy? That's it. This is it. But is in the house, you better watch out. It's, it's not Playboy Boetsy. It's usually Mr. Still Your Girlfriend, but I haven't, I haven't got a haircut. Oh, we're always talking about that beard. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna let it grow. I might keep it for my next fight. I like it. I like it at the length. I like it at the length that you've got it at this moment in time, man. So no longer than you this. Give him a li- yeah, you give him a little bit of a taste, but not too much. Exactly. I feel you. I'm with you now. I might add it for the next fight, man. <laughs> Listen, how's things? How how is now that just has settled on obviously the big American show? Yeah. Where are you at now? How do you, how do you t- what do you take from that fight back to the UK? Um, what do I take from it? Just not to get frustrated. And for the first two rounds, I thought he was a bit slippery. And I sat down in the third, and I thought, all right, take your time, boy. See, took my time a bit more in the third, the fourth round, I got rid of him. But it's a good experience for me. It was more of dealing with the American Commission, the team behind the scenes, of course. wrapping your hands, the gloves, getting a drug test before the fight, um, getting a drug test after the weigh-in, and a drug test before the fight. It's very unusual to me, but um, it was about taking experience like that. So if it does happen again and I box in the States, I know how to deal with it. It went really well for you. I mean, you look terrific. You, you know, a lot of people, I, you know, a lot, I know a lot of the American journalists are very impressed with you. Um, yeah, no, you look fantastic. Um, what was your... Did you manage to speak to Anthony Joshua after? Because obviously it was a terrible night for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would have been in the audience when he fought. Yeah, Did you yeah, get yeah. adrenaline like the rest of us? About I was sad and shocked. Yeah. Um, spoke to him the next day, and then also spoke to him the day before I left. And um, he, like he said, he's just got to take on the chin like a man. And I thought that's what he's doing. Oh, so, he was an yeah, amazing yeah. sportsman the exactly. way he took it. Gave no excuses. He said, you know, he has to take the L. And um, that's what he's done, so credit to him. If man. you were in that position, would you do what Anthony Joshua's doing? Would you want the immediate rematch as well? Very hard to say, Gary. Very, very hard to say. Even sat here, I've watched the fights. It's easy to say I would have done this if I were this guy, but it's different when you're in the ring, as we both know. It's, it's, it's very hard. But um, credit to him, he's taking a rematch. I think he had a 30-day um, rule. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? To, to make the decision, and um, he's taking it, so why not? It's best for him, man, because you can't let all the belts go. He had three of the four belts, so I think... Well, that's what Eddie Hearn was saying so powerfully to us earlier on anyway, was, was saying, look, he's come this far, it's gone so well. Why why, why rebuild over such a long time when you've got a chance to win all three? Because the truth is, if Ruiz is that kryptonite for Anthony Joshua and he can't win the second time, he's still not finished. Do you know what I mean? P- people jump the gun, I think. And, that's you know, boxing fans, that's what we do, yeah. aren't they? That's what they do. Listen, regarding you, you're not leaving us, are you? You're not going to just no. keep, keep clearing off to America. I'm What's still going here. on here? No, no, I'm still here, man. Um, Can't even find a barber's in New York, remember? <laughs> Do you know what? Hopefully, I'll be out end of August, early September, so I'm still here, man. I'm here to stay. And um, it's going to be right. Yeah. Cool, man. And I want to have fights here, man. You know, I'm from here. People are supporting me. They're following me here. So I want to keep that going. We know eventually, when the big fights come, when the big world title fights come, you might have to go transatlantic because we know that that's where the razzmatazz is at. We've experienced it recently. But it's good to hear that back in the UK, all 
to arena, various things like that, up and down the country, because you are one of those guys that is captivating quite a lot of attention from non-boxing fans. I've got a good pal of mine who's a, who's a football fan, doesn't really, he's not into boxing, but he pays attention because I cover it, and every now and again he goes, how's that Boazzi guy going on? How's he going on? Hey, listen, if you're listening to this, big up yourself, I appreciate this. <laughs> um, just a bit of housekeeping on other things. Obviously, a real fun fight that you'll call tonight between Craig Richards and I always forget his first name. Andre Sterling. Andre Sterling. I mean, you had a bit of needle yesterday with I him, mean, didn't you? Is there, yeah, yeah. Is there yeah. any chance you might fight one of them next or not? Well, Richards has won, so that makes it mandatory. But for me, so I respect Sterling. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's a hustle, this game. He's trying to get his name out there. He wants the big fights, and I respect him for that. What I didn't necessarily like was the approach he took. So he said to me, Boatsy, don't vacate the belt. And I said, I won't vacate it, but if a better opportunity comes, of course I'll vacate it. Yeah. Um, he said that before the fight. Unfortunately for him, he went in there, he lost. The better man won. So um, Craig is the mandatory. If the dates fit and we both want to take the fight, we make it happen. I'm, I'm ready for it anyway. We're going to speak to Anthony Yard a little bit later. Obviously, he's here tonight. Why didn't you talk to both of us at the same time? What's up? Why didn't you talk to both of us at the same time? All right, well, I'll go and find him. You stay there. Feel free. I'm still here. Okay, so our producer's going to go and find him. That's fine. It'd be great to have you both on together. Why not, man? All right, before he comes, do you hope he gets the Kovalev fight soon? Yeah, no, I hope he gets it. Um, if he gets it, I also hope he wins as well. If he gets it, I hope he wins, man. Um, he'll be another world champion from this country. And um, the anticipation will keep building and keep growing. I'm not going to wish bad upon no one. That's the thing I'm not going to do, man. Even Sterling, I said to him, I didn't like how you handled it, but congratulations. Listen, I wish you all the best. It's not the end of the world. You bounce back. One. At this moment in time, is absolutely lit. Light heavyweight on the world scene is unbelievable. There's some fantastic fights out there. You must be licking your lips. I know that you're being managed well. You're, be, you're taking the right fights at the right time. But you must be licking your lips at the prospect of maybe getting in with the likes of a Gavodic and Baturbiev and all these types of boys. I always say you need a dancing partner, but for me, I think... You need a dancing partner, that's true, but at this level there's so many fighters and when I'm ready for that level, there's a lot of fights to be made. Um, when I'll be ready for that level, I can't necessarily say it, but I know that I'm heading that direction. Uh, just a quick note, our producer did run off whilst we were having a conversation to see if he could get Anthony Hard, but he's not doing any media. He's media he's free. Doing any media this evening. Um, <laughs> that's terrible from you, Yard, if you're listening to this, mate. You should have done some media, man. <laughs> I tell you what, though, if the, if the Kovalev fight does happen, Sergei Kovalev and Anthony Yard, for those listening who don't know, Kovalev is a very formidable Russian uh, world champion. He kind of looks like the older brother of Adam Cattrall, believe it or not. Yeah, he does. Check it out he does look a little bit like me, doesn't he? No. Me and Kovalev, we've got Adam's it going a, up. Adam's a much better looking Kovalev. But, um, or, or Kovalev's, Kovalev's not a very good looking Cattrall. How about that? Can I just that? say, but, right? But, what's he supposed to stick up for me? I thought we were tight, man. You absolutely called me out. No, I can't repeat it on air, but I know I've made you laugh. You have. Do you remember John Denon? Do you remember the John Denon story? I won't do it on air.
Sergei Kovalev is a massive test for Anthony Yard. Discuss. Um, he is. Um, they're saying that the timing might be right. He's dipping. Whatever it is, it's hard for me to comment on guy because I don't watch Kovalev and I don't watch Yard. So I don't know if Kovalev is dipping or not. Well, I'll tell but, you then. It's a massive test for him. Do you know what? If he comes through it, he genuinely goes to world level. Absolutely. Genuinely, as a, as a rated no guy, yeah, elite yeah, no level. Doubt. Because, no but I do think we haven't seen Anthony against this type of opponent before. And in his last performance, Kovalev was back to his best for me. His strength and conditioning is right. I spoke to Kathy Duva yeah. when we were all in New York. I went to the American Boxing Writers' Den, and she said he looks really good because he finally got a strength and conditioning coach. Okay. He used to do old school Russian ways of getting ready yeah, for. Yeah, I've a been fight. working out. I've been working out. Yeah, exactly. looking in good shape, Adam. I'm not going to lie to you. Trust me. It's a very hard fight for for, for yards. No, I it think. it is. But respect to him, man. They, they've accepted the fight. Well, they've said that they're going to accept it. Whether a date has been scheduled or not till this date, I don't know. But fight is meant to be happening so respect him. So from your point of view, August, September, that's when we're going to see Boatsy back. Absolutely. UK? 100% in the UK. That's what we like to hear. Listen, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. Much appreciated. Hey, you listen to Fight Night. Stick with us. Do you want to say something? You look like you were leaning in. No, no, no. I was just saying it's a good fight we're watching now. <laughs> but listen, it's been a great night of boxing. Two men full for my, for my title. Respect, credit to both of them, and I'll meet the final winner, which is Craig Richards. Whenever it happens, it happens. So, um, listen, and Sterling, I rate the hustle, man, so just keep up doing what you're doing. Talk and up. you love this venue to box as well. It's so amazing, isn't it? I love it, but I prefer the O2 gap. I'm not going to lie to you. Really? <laughs> yeah, more fans. More fans cheering him. <laughs> He's all about the people, we've man. Seen, we've seen you fight here. Twice. Um, <laughs> the second, perform the second yeah, performance yeah. wasn't that good. The first one was good. It was in my amateur career, but... Um, I won both, so happy days. Stay with us. You listen to Talksport. This is Fight Night. For fight night this week, you listen to Talksport. I'm Adam Cattrall, guy there, Davis, alongside me. Last week, we were in Las Vegas uh, for the Tyson Fury fight, but there was also a fight going on in Leeds at the First Direct Arena. It was for the IBF Featherweight Championship of the World. Josh Warrington defending against Kid Galahad. Now, I don't know where you watched it, Gareth, but I managed to get myself on a laptop poolside. Had it all, uh, had it all kitted and caboodle on the old ESPN Plus over in the United States of America, just checking in. And I'll tell you something. We are in the Wet Republic watching it. I was, it. I was, yeah, I was enjoying it. Pool, Listen, yeah. I was enjoying myself. But the fight itself didn't really live up to all my expectations because it wasn't the prettiest of affairs. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was. It was. Listen, it was a grapple fest. I mean, I think. Kid Galahad had decided on a very clever game plan of. Um, trying to disrupt the pattern of Josh Warrington's ability to have this real engine when he fights and have a real pace to the fight and a real tenacity. And what he did was he held very well and he was never punished for it early on, I think, which was a mistake from the referee. So we had a hit and hold contest mm. in which it was very difficult to score. And Galahad showed how... He's got brilliant movement. He's got very unorthodox angles, which you'd expect from someone that learned the tram lines with Brendan Ingle. Yeah. He's been there since he was a kid. And, you know, whose hero is Nazim Hamid. I mean, he doesn't move like Nazim Hamid, but 
He's got a really good boxing IQ and a real strong survival instinct in there. And he made Warrington, for me, look a little bit ordinary at times and maybe exposed the way to beat Warrington. But I don't think he did enough to win the fight, and I agreed with the decision mm. of two of the judges. I thought he looked better as a southpaw. When he went into southpaw stands, I thought he looked really good. As an orthodox fighter, I thought Warrington was then back in the fight. And he just didn't throw enough, did he? He was single-shotting. He'll be kicking himself this week, you know. No, when he watches the tape back, and watches the fight back, he'll realise that as the fight went on, yeah, I mean... Maybe psychologically, he gave the impression that he was losing the fight rather than winning it because he, 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 he threw less and less and less for me. Look, the punch stats in the fight, I've seen graphs put out by certain yeah. people where it makes it look like Galahad won the fight. But you know what you're watching. Graphs and punch stats don't tell you who won a fight. Judge your eyes. You judge your eyes. Yeah, you do the eye test. That's how you judge a fight. And I, I, look, it was close. There's no doubt about it. No issue with it being a split decision. That's why you have three judges. But Galahad, like you say, this was his world title shot. He was undefeated. Um, a little bit more ambition from him in the fight could have just nicked him the title. Mm. But you know what? Hats off to Josh Warrington again. He's a guy who finds a way through a fight. And he was the guy throwing harder at the end. And, and he clung on to his title. And I thought he deserved to keep it. Listen, I'm going to forgive Josh Warrington this one because it, was a, it wasn't the prettiest of fights and it wasn't necessarily his fault as to why it wasn't pretty he had two absolute crackers last year didn't he with Selby and Franson respectively and for him to come through this now sets up a trip to America we think uh, and the hot news we're led to believe that it will be Leo Santa Cruz which kind of opens up this division beautifully because we know that Frampton wants Valdez now imagine this if Frampton can get the Valdez fight and fight for the WBO title if he can come through that because I think even though Valdez is an absolute warrior I think Frampton is still a little bit cuter hopefully he can, he can get that title the WBO title we can have an absolute crackerjack between Leo Santa Cruz and Josh Warrington. And no matter what happens in that fight, there's a narrative for Carl Frampton to go yeah. again with one of those. No, there's a great opportunity, like you say, for the merry-go-round to spin around again. And it'd be brilliant for Frampton to be able to do that. Um, love to see him in with Warrington again. But I wouldn't mind seeing him in with uh, Leo, Santa Cruz. Leo Santa Cruz again either, because that's the trilogy. So it's a win-win where the, where the road forks there in both instances. Um, I, I completely agree. I mean, I'd like to see a second fight between Galahad and Josh Warrington, but as you've already corrected me, the thing we really want to see, is, and he deserves it, is Warrington to be able to go to America, take all those great fans he's got of yeah, his, yeah, yeah. out to America with him, because you can see them travelling. If they get the right venue, um, you know, and they do it maybe even on an undercard, maybe... It works on the undercard of Tyson Fury's next fight in October. It'll be a great, great way of producing that fight and a great crowd to go out for Fury as well. That's a heck of a shout because Vegas. what he does have, Josh Warrington, like. he, he has football fans, doesn't he? I mean, we were speaking quite a lot last week about Vegas nights. Ricky Hatton was on our show last Saturday night and he had that football following. He was quite unique, actually. I mean, he was very pro Manchester City being a Manchester City fan, but he managed to unite Manchester and take Manchester United fans out there as well. And you would think quite a lot of that 
football following kind of is attracted to boxing in the big nights. The yeah. Leeds United fans most certainly will travel, and that's a decent shout that on a, on a Tyson Fury undercard over in the States. Josh Warrington, Leo Santa Cruz. My word, what a night. Well, I think it'll be brilliant. It might even change where they take Tyson Fury's next fight. Obviously, they want to take Tyson Fury to the East Coast. Yeah. So they're looking at Madison Square Garden principally on October the 5th. But I think the know, Warrington fans have got to New York, though, won't they? Oh, definitely. But also, when you think about other big stars to come out of Leeds, you know, the likes of, um, you know, Nicola Adams. Nicola Adams could also be on that card, for example. Um, you know, it's a good time to, to kind of get that group to travel. Um, you know, I do think he's got a very dedicated following, Warrington. And I, listen, we're, we're matchmaking here and we're promoting right now. That's what we'd like to see happen. Oh, we've been joined by someone. Yes, we've been joined by the, the gorilla. gorilla. We've just been speaking about... The gorilla's big... just come out of the mist. <laughs> <laughs> we've just been speaking about big nights in America, John. John Ryder just joining us on the show and you've just had a recent crackerjack, mate. I'll tell you something. Talk to me about that American debut for you because it couldn't have gone any better, could it? Well, I lived the American dream. I went to Vegas and I won. Mate, you didn't just win. You put in a performance that captured the imagination of quite a lot of fans out there. If you're going to win, you win in style, and you did most certainly did that. Yeah, massive. So on a, on a great card, Canelo Jacobs. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that. On Cinco de Mayo weekend, it's a, a huge event. So what's next then? What's next? We're going to go back over, aren't we? We're going to go. We're going to keep taking over. I hope so. I mean, New York, Madison Square Gardens. I mean. LA anywhere. I, I want to live the American dream. I want to carry on living the American dream. Well, it's not where well, you're flying at the moment, mate. Talk to me about this venue because obviously you come down to uh, watch a little bit of uh, the fights tonight. Go on, you want to see the Riders gonna... fought at the York. He call. loves the York. Call. He loves it no, here. It's, it's, it's one of the places I dreamed of fighting as an amateur. I've got to do it numerous times, and it's just so iconic. Do you know what I mean, you, you can't beat these small home shows. Like the, the sweat dripping off the ceilings. We're, we're all here in bits, soaking wet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's great. It's got the, the a real close fight feel about it. Compared to America? <laughs> Different events, but I mean, the, the turnout, you, you'll always sell out a York Hall show on a Friday night. There's no way it won't sell out. From a fighter's point of view, I mean, me and Gareth had just fresh back from the Tyson Fury week last week in Vegas, and absolutely phenomenal media week. From a fighter's point of view, how does it compare being in the midst of a Canelo fight week and you're on that card, the Mexicans are everywhere going crazy? Is It, it must have been one of those pinch-yourself type moments that you were on that card at, at certain points. To be honest, I, I was messed about a bit with brain scans and medical, so I didn't really get to embrace it. So I, um, I missed the public workout. I got to go to the, uh, the press conference, but that was it for me and the weigh-in. But the weigh-in was... That's something I've never experienced before. I mean, yeah, AJ 16,000 in there, wasn't it? Was it just yeah. full? Unbelievable. Mary Archie bands. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. The stage. It was just that was a great event. I mean, they, they do. The, that's what they say in Vegas. The Americans don't travel. The Brits and the Mexicans are the only ones that really travel for their fighters. And I've been there. But the Brazilians do actually for the mixed martial artists as well. Yeah. Anderson Silva, Vitor yeah, Belfort, yeah, yeah. these kind of guys in the UFC. But they bring a special atmosphere to them, and they are as passionate as the British fans, aren't they? Yeah, massively. I mean, there's a lot, obviously like you got the, the political stuff between the Mexicans and the Americans, but the Mexicans just remind us of our spirits. I mean, we're just passionate. We, we love our sport. We get behind our fighters, and I mean, they are diehards like we are. I saw quite a lot of uh, American media actually whilst you were out there, obviously, with your chisel good looks and beard, comparing you actually to the cinnamon one himself, like you've got a very similar look to Canelo. Did you get mistaken on the trip? I, I actually didn't, but um, I I'll take that all day, yeah. <laughs> 
would you say that the American media, with the way that John looks, very similar to Canelo, that he's got a look of Canelo and he was mistaken a couple of times? Of course, yeah. So, so they thought he, he dyed his hair and his beard, yeah? Well, he might have changed his stance as well, but uh, no, but I'll tell you what, it'd be good to stand up in the ring against him and uh, the battle of the looks. Well, I'm going to say, is that, the, is that the next target for you? Is that what we're going after? Who knows? I'm just going to take what they put in front of me, but they're the fighters I'd love. I'd love to go in there and fight Canelo in Vegas. What's, what's the noises? Because you will have spoken to Eddie. Are we going to have one in the UK or are we going back straight out to the States? What's the noises? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting on the office to come in, see what's best for me, see what works for the team, and we'll, we'll see what's best for us. Top man. Superb. Thanks for joining us, John. Uh, you listen to Talk Sport Extra Time. Do stick with us. We're at the Your Call. We're on location. Lots still to come on the show. It's a fight night from the York Hall in Bethnal Green. Uh, the show, the next-gen show, has just uh, culminated with a fantastic knockout victory uh, for the destroyer. Connor Ben, what a victory that was. Uh, and immediately after that victory, myself and Gareth went ringside to catch up with him and his promoter, Eddie Hearn. It's never dull when you're about, mate. Blow me out, what a finish. Talk us through it. Well, that's what it's about. I mean, you know, you have these amateurs that come on who are great, unbelievable, technically gifted, you know, over years and years of doing it. I'd like to think that, you know, that aggression, that raw style is um, something that keeps the fans entertained. You know, that, that's what people want to see. Um, I don't know, listen, I'm going to have ups and downs, you know, this won't be, I might have a shocking fight after this. I might have, a, you know, another brilliant fight. But for as long as I'm, I'm improving, you know, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster journey and to have Britain behind me from my beginning of my debut when I was a little boy, to now, um, it's, we, it's a blessing. We do kind of forget that you're only in your early 20s. It seems like you've been around for such a long, long period of time. You know what I mean? You are still learning. Yeah. But when you're putting on shows like that, people are going to be buying tickets, man, and coming out to see you fight. Well, listen, I've got an unbelievable promoter. And I've got an unbelievable... You don't say that because he's studying now. Don't do it's, that. The, it's the truth. Look at the platforms and the shows that I've been Agreed. on. Agreed. And I've made a list of everything I've accomplished as being 22. And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that without Eddie Earn, Matchroom, Sky Sports, The Zone. And you know it's a blessing. You know, it's going to be a roller coaster journey. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, people get money for to see me fight, and you know it's val money for value or you know value for money. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's the one. Eddie, I just heard you speaking, obviously, with your TV interview there regarding matching him up now, because it's yeah. going to be quite difficult. He's yeah. just been in with a kid that's challenged for the European yeah, title yeah, yeah. on a few occasions, yeah. come up short against world-level operators like Samuel Vargas. What do you do with him next? Do you know what? It's funny because when I look back at pictures in the build-up to this fight, pictures of him weighing in for the first time. He was, I mean, he won't mind me saying it, he was clueless. Like, imagine coming out and having, I don't know, a handful of amateur fights and being slung into the O2, yeah, yeah. right, as Nigel Ben's son, going, go on, mate, off you go. I mean, he's had to really be exposed and learn, but he's done it whilst, whilst keeping undefeated. But you know what, like, little times when he, you know, when he had his injury and he was out of the ring for eight months, that sort of, that, that, those kind of breaks, although at the time you don't really want it, it gives you a chance just to take on what you've achieved so far, watch in the gym, learn in the gym. The difference tonight was, when it went wrong in the first round, there was no panic. And when he boxed Paynard and it started to come on top, it was like, just hold your feet and have a tear up. It wasn't. It was like, okay, box your jab, finish the round well. Yeah. In the second round, I thought, do you know what, he's just got to get on his bike here. And he came out exactly opposite. He actually said, no, 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 you tried to push me back in that round, I'm going to push you back in this round. And he just switched the fight on its head instantly. I mean, a lot of people in here after the first round were going, blimey. 
It's going to be a tough night, yeah, night yeah, and he, you know, he said he was strong, wasn't he? But strong. I thought that as well. I honest, to my honest, I thought, yeah, it's going to be a long night. But I knew that, you know, he went, I'm too, too quick for him. I knew he was going to come out and he threw a good jab and I thought, you know what, I'm going to catch him. And you know when, you know, he caught me with some two good shots. Like my head went the like first that. Three seconds. Yeah. It's a right I thought, end. I thought, yeah. oh, he ain't no. Here we me. go. Yeah, no, I thought he ain't at me. And then I thought, you know what? If he pushes me back the whole fight, he'll do that the whole fight. Did, did you, do you look at him and think he looks like a light heavyweight? Because he looked like a big guy. I thought that at the weigh-in and the press conference. Yeah. I thought, mate, this guy looks like Drago from Rocky. Exactly. You just um, said you've got a great promoter, and his team you're we're blooming light heavyweight. I know, I know. There you go. Yeah. The, the funny, the funny thing is. The turning point, I suppose, will come, and I'm sure Eddie will agree with this, and I know Adam will. When people stop saying, oh, it's Nigel Ben's son, it's Connor Ben. And it may, you're probably not there yet, but it might be in a few fights' time. You've been to, you go to America, you do other things, and Dad's sitting there in the corner going, he's off the leash now. Don't get me wrong, we've already walked down the road and someone's gone, oh, you're Connor Ben's dad, so don't get me wrong, we're getting there. <laughs> don't get me wrong, we're getting there. <laughs> But you know the great, the great thing about it is, is that you know with his dad, he's in Australia, he's letting him get on with it. Yeah. You know he's not here in the background in the photos, you know waving a flag. You know he's just saying, son, it's over to you. And actually, you know having, you know, speaking from experience as well, having a successful father can be good and bad. Gives you a lot more pressure to succeed. It gives you more opportunities. And he wouldn't be having these opportunities at the start if he wasn't Nigel Ben's son. But now he's his own fire, and he's actually good enough to be on this stage, regardless of who his father is. So now he's got to make the most of it. He's carving out his own name. Although he's got the Destroyer moniker, he's got the ring walk music like that. He's That's got the hair, yeah. baby. But, but what he's you saw, got the hair, Eddie. But what you saw in the second round was Nigel Ben. <laughs> yeah, it was. was Nigel Ben. And he hasn't got the amateur experience, but he's got the DNA. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to let him clear off in a minute. Just I know what his answer is going to be. There's going to be talk about Josh Kelly. Yeah. Can we get it on? In time, it's a big, big domestic fight. Big domestic fight. But they are entering the danger zone now. You know, he's talking about Samuel Vargas. Um, Josh Kelly could be fighting for the European title mm. against Avanesian. You know, he, he drew his last fight. Maybe there's a rematch. Maybe he fights uh, um, Ray Robinson. Is you know, he Southpaw? Yeah, yeah. I do not fancy okay, it. Okay, all right, we'll move on <laughs> to the next one. Sammy Vargas, whatever. But that, that in time is a big, big domestic fight. Yeah, Sometime is. in 2020, let's get him back out. Two more fights this year. Defending that title, learning, stepping up, stepping up. And then, you know, he's, he's still... He's still Eight months, a year away from a big gamble. Big gamble. When you uh, knocked him down for the second time, I think, in the second round, and they, the ref let it go on again, did you think... No, do you know what? I thought, get up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. For some reason, when I know I've got him up, I'm thinking, get up. Like, when, he, when I put him down, like, get up. Do you know what I mean? You're a sick, really sick boy. You're a I really sick man. The first time I've ever seen you actually calm. I was going, Connor, <laughs> calm. And you were looking at Tony going, all right, and Con Tony was just like, you know, nice to go. In days of old, you know, it was clinical. Swing him. It was clinical. Let's have a word about Tony, actually, yeah. because at the end of the day, Tony probably doesn't get enough praise no, in British it, boxing. It's great to work with him. Well, no, why it's no. great to work with him is because he don't want praise. In fact, we're doing an interview. He's creeped off somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Family He's man. He's already in the car on boxing, the way home. Loves Connor. Yeah. We'll put yeah, every, I mean, we'll put every yeah. ounce of his time into Connor. Yeah. Loves working with him. Yeah. You know, and and as a, a real passion for the sport, and. When Nigel turned pro, probably the toughest decision tonight with Nigel was to give his son, you know, to someone, like to say, it's you. I trust that says a lot, though. Well, Tony and my dad go way back. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony and my dad, there's footage of them two sparring. Yeah. And Tony knew my mum before yeah. before she knew, he knew my dad. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, Are you it's confusing to... issues here or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much right, for your time, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Now, part of that conversation at the end there, Gareth, you were alluding to the stoppage. And then obviously I sat next to you. You weren't too happy. He had him in a lot of trouble and it could have been stopped a little bit earlier. And there's been a couple like that tonight where maybe it's gone on a little bit too long. When you're... I, I don't hold back when... I've noticed. <laughs> no, but, it, but, but you know... When you when you know someone's finished, he was knocked sideways by Connor. The second knockdown, it, 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 it was he a good was knockdown. He was really, really knocked sideways, and he. I don't think a fighter needs to take those extra four or five punches. And you heard Connor; he's a killer. Yeah. He's got a killer attitude, and and he said, you know, when we asked him, they were saying, no, I want him to get up, I want him to get up, I yeah, want him yeah, to be yeah. so dramatic because he is absolute. I mean, he was soaking with sweat sitting there ringside. He is an absolute specimen, as his father was, as I remember. And he wanted to light up everybody's night here in this place. And he wanted a guy asleep on a canvas. That's the kind of attitude he has. And that's why the referee's in there. Mm. Because the guy was beaten. Yes, he, he was. He looked like a bloody well, light heavyweight. Never mind. Yes, he was. He wasn't a welterweight, but... He was beaten at that moment. But first round, I thought Connor struggled a little bit. The, his opponent came out and was absolutely fantastic. Like he says, you were a lot bigger than He's him. He's always going to be an exciting fight. That's the point. That, exactly that. Always. Because he might lose five and win 35. He will always be an exciting fight. he might be losing a fight and be able to turn it around because yeah, he, he does he have power and he's proved Speed that time and, and time and time again. That guy's no mug that he's just had a little bit of a fight against tonight who's a... Uh, been fighting at European level for a long period of time yeah. fighting against the likes of Samuel Vargas and for him to stop him in the second round is a massive statement Eddie Hearn said that interesting thing just now and Eddie in an interview recently obviously his father Barry began Matchroom and they're a very very successful company and Ed, Eddie told me in an interview recently I'm prepared to die for my company prepared to die for what my father did Conor Ben is cut from the same cloth that incredible fighting DNA that his father Nigel has, and he is prepared to do exactly the same in there, Adam, and he just wants to thrill us. How far do you think he can go? Maybe it's a little bit too early for me to ask that question because he's, what, 14, 15 fights in, he's 22 years of age, he's still learning the game, but a, Europe a European-level victory like that tonight, there's going to be a lot of people obviously clambering, aren't they, you, for the next level? Come on, Connor, what, what have you got for us? Do you know what? When they mentioned Josh Kelly and him tonight, I saw Matador and Bull. And, and, you know, you can just see... It's fascinating, though, from Connor, a British contest, isn't it? Oh, you can see him pouring in like a bull, raging in. And you can see Kelly trying to do his showboating, his hands low, moving, slipping and sliding. I mean, those two are, are, are they the same age, or he's 23, isn't he, Connor, and 25, Josh, something like that. Yeah, Josh is slightly older, yeah. They're both very young men. Um, you could wait for that fight for two or three years, but with Eddie Hearn saying he wants to get it down in the books within the next year, I'm delighted about that mm. because we want to see that kind of fight. Nathan Gorman and Daniel Dubois coming up on uh, July the 13th. We may well be there on that night, of mm. course. I'm really excited about it. I think Dubois has great power, but as Nathan Gorman, with all the gypsy blood, the traveller blood and all the skills he's got working with Ricky Hatton, could he do it? And I think it's the same with this. Josh Kelly, Connor, you can match Connor Ben against anyone, frankly, and he's going to thrill you, whatever he does. One of the good things that came out of that conversation again with Eddie, and again, I don't want to point towards any other fighters out there because I, I rate the Eubanks, both of them, but it's nice that Nigel, senior this is, has, uh, has just taken a step back and he's letting his boy do his thing, you know what I mean? He's, make, he's letting him make his own mistakes. You know the story, don't you? I remember Nigel telling it to me and Connor's told it to me since. I don't know if we've done it in the studio with us. Um, my, my memory uh, doesn't is unforgiving right now, but 
um, it's the edge. you know that he gave the, the old he gave the old man a beating when he was 16. Do you know that story? I'm led to believe they that. They sparred, yes. they sparred, and the old man said, "You're ready, my son. Leave the village. Write a passage. Leave I'm the not village. fighting you again. I am not fighting you again. Off you go to Tony Sims, and uh, it's brilliant. You know, he's always a very very laid back character. Yeah, nice. He's not like Chris Eubank Senior, but they've all got their own kind of roles to play. I would love to see Connor Ben against Chris Eubank Jr. But unfortunately, they, they belong to different weight divisions. Yeah. But I'd love to see that. It'd be amazing. Mm. Uh, you're listening to Talk Sport. We're at uh, the York Hall in Bethnal Green. You might be able to hear in the background that it is starting to de-rig. I think that's a technical term. Hands, touching hands, reaching out the Lord. Touching me, touching you, sweet Caroline. Your time never seems so good. And we're at the York Hall in Bethnal Green for fight night. Uh, we're on location for, for this week's Talk Sport Boxing Show. It's been an absolute cracker, hasn't it? Absolutely. One of the my, one of my favourite shows. Robert Smith's here, <laughs> um, the Secretary of the Boxing Board of Control. He's trying, he's trying to get home. He's got and the, you're going to get him he's now. Got, he's got a belt in a box here. He's got a doctor. <laughs> That's a belt in a box, yeah. Robert, we've. Adam was just saying what an amazing night we've had here at the York Hall. Every, they're de-rigging. Everyone's packing up. There's something special about this place and these shows that brings young fighters, developing fighters, through um, a rite of passage, if you like. Conor Ben tonight, looking brilliant at the end. Um, um, Allowing them to headline Shannon without Courtney. pressure. Yeah. I don't know, Shannon Courtney looks like a brilliant young woman's fighter. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I, actually, Gareth, this is the best venue for boxing in the country when it's full. I really did. I, mean, I, I boxed here a few times. Luckily, I never lost here. I made, I made my debut here as so well. you didn't fight Lloyd Hunnigan here then? No, no, I didn't. No, thank God. It was, it was, that was the Albert Hall, unfortunately. So, but um, now this is a great venue. Everything's so close together. It's a bit hot sometimes, but I thought the boxing, the boxing tonight was really good. I thought, Connor, you look at that first round, I thought he's in for a tough, tough night tonight. And the second round, he did a really good job. Um, I thought Craig Richards and Sterling had a good fight. Uh, the better boxing won it, just about, but Sterling, what a strong man. I mean, he just kept coming. Yeah. I thought the Cheeseman and Conway fight was really good. I can understand why people thought Cheeseman nicked it, but I thought Conway boxed really, really well, and it landed the cleaner shots, and it could have gone either way. Um, I wouldn't argue with the decision at all, but I think you've, you've seen here the future of, the future of boxing, and, um, and I'm really pleased. It's really good. What about the presence of boxing, though? It's huge for us at the moment. Arguably six of the top 15, 15 heavyweights in the world. That isn't someone getting hurt. It's just stuff being put away. Arguably six of the top 15 heavyweights in the world are British. Yes, I think we're in a very good position at the moment. Um, and, you know, Anthony got beat. It's not a disaster. It may feel a disaster at the time, but it's not really. You know, he's still in the mix. And he'll come back with a good performance and hopefully he'll win again. Uh, and if he doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of difference. I know people say to me, will it ruin him? Listen, he's, you know, ultimately when he, when he was an amateur, he was a novice, he won an Olympic gold medal. He's had eight world heavyweight championship fights. If he were to retire, he's a very wealthy man. Tyson Fury, three years ago, was, was not in good form with the Boxing Board of Control yourselves, no. okay? He'd relinquished belts, he'd gone on a cocaine binge, he'd beaten Klitschko to begin with, I must add, Vladimir Klitschko. 
look where he is three years later. Yeah, I mean, what does it feel like for the boards to have this guy back and rejuvenated and just delighting everyone? Well, I think on a, on a personal level for him, it's remarkable, ultimately. Um, obviously, yes, we've had issues with Tyson, but, but he's a nice bloke. You know, when you get to speak to him face to face, he's a really nice bloke. And, you know, he's very talented and he's one of the best heavyweights there is. And if he will fight Wilder again, you don't know which way it would go. I would hope he will go Tyson's way. He's just so awkward and he's, so, he's got so much ability. Um, and I think he can beat Wilder. I really do. And let's hope he does. Top man. Thank you so much. We'll let you get on. Thank you very much for stopping. Uh, <laughs> Robert Smith there, the uh, president of the uh, British Boxing. Always great to see the Roberto Duran of British <laughs> Boxing. <laughs> I'm better looking. You are better looking. Yeah, cheers. Inter <laughs> interesting to get his take on it because obviously he's, he's involved in a lot of um, the jurisdiction of our sport in this country. And well, he's, his dad was an agent for boxers. If people don't know that, Robert Smith, you know, he is the supremo of, of the boxing border controller yeah. that controls all the licensing. Um, the fixtures. I mean, he tells me, I speak to him frequently, Adam, because, you know, in terms of journalistically with The Telegraph, there is more boxing that in March alone, yeah. I think there were something like 84 shows in yeah. Britain. Isn't it incredible? It is incredible. You know? And it's great. It's absolutely great because a lot of younger fighters are getting now platforms to come and showcase their talent. They're getting picked up by the likes of Eddie Hearn and Matchroom. Mm. They're getting to fight on cards like this. They're getting yeah. to fight in iconic venues like the York Hall and getting to showcase their talents on national radio with us and obviously national television with the likes of Sky Sports and BT. It is fantastic. Listen, before we go, we have to address the knuckle boxing because be, we have uh, flagged it up a couple of times throughout the course of the programme. Uh, in the early hours of the morning, Paulie Malinaj is having a little bit of a knock uh, with Artem Lovav. When you actually look at this on paper, a two-time former world boxing champion is fighting a guy, and this is going to sound harsh, he's fighting a guy that the majority of people only know because he's Conor McGregor's mate. Yeah, I mean, look, one of the reasons this is a big fight is because the PR that was put around um, Paulie Malinaji being a sparring partner of Conor McGregor before he fought Floyd Mayweather puts him in a bad light and he, he genuinely feels... I've spoken to him He's in hurt. detail. About it. He's hurt He's very it. hurt about this. He believes they selectively picked a tiny bit of footage from loads of footage that makes him look an idiot. And... He's got something to prove. He wanted to fight Conor McGregor. They had it out, of course, in fight week against uh, McGregor and Mayweather in Las Vegas. Mm. And Artem Lobov put himself forward. It's been horrible from Malinaj. You do not spit at an opponent. But he, and it, which he did at one of the press, in the press conferences, conferences yeah. recently, it's disgusting. And we both know Paulie. He's a top bloke. And he's a brilliant commentator. But... I've never seen him as emotional as this. Covered his fight with Ricky Hatton, with, um, with Amir Khan. Um, he, he got, who did he get beaten by? One of Eddie Hearn's guys recently. Sam Eggington. Sam Eggington. It was the end of his career, wasn't it, in boxing? Yeah. This is a bucket list fight, but there's a lot of... I want really, really want to watch this fight. I will not miss this fight tonight because I want to see it. Because I've, I want to see... The thing is, I fear for Paulie. And the reason why yeah. I fear for Paulie is we know that his hands are bust up. This is burn knuckle. He's not protection on those fists. The first couple he, of times he lands, it could be the end of his hands. And then what and does then, he do for the well, rest of the fight? Then he has to fight a brawler for uh, whatever it is, three three-minute rounds. It's not going to be pretty. There's going to be cuts, blood, filth. 
it's going to be a filthy, dirty, nasty, bare-knuckled, sharp-knuckled fight. Horrible. And we're all going to be watching it. Well, we will, because we're sick. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing <laughs> that uh, I've, uh, we've been keeping an eye on as well, and I'm sure people listening to this show on a Saturday night here on TalkSport have been keeping an eye on throughout the course of the night. There's still the main event still to come. It is, of course, Bellator, something that you're heavily involved with, with the television Well, I'm there event. right now, if I can weirdly <laughs> we're say that. throwing it forward, you see. People know that we're on location on the Friday night for the next-gen show here at uh, the York Hall, but Saturday night, or 2 Arena, Bellator's in town, and I'm going to say it, this is the best Bellator card that has ever come to the UK. Oh, there's no question about that. You, you, you look down the list of, of fighters on there. James Gallagher, the Irishman, who sells out, you know, Dublin Arenas, 9,000 people. He's a, he's a real star. Coming up in the wake of Conor McGregor, slightly different, loves all the haters. You know, you've got Paul Daly, who's a massive name in British striking, and his big brother, as he calls him, Melvin Manhoff, having his hundredth either boxing or MMA, uh, kickboxing or MMA fight, a Dutch legend. But on the main card that's going to be later, a really big fight between Gegard Mousasi and Rafael Lovato Jr., One of my who's favorite a seventh middle- on the ground. Gegard Mousasi is probably my favourite middleweight, oh. and I'm including UFC in that. Oh. I'm, I'm absolutely heartbroken that he never got an opportunity to fight for a world title it in the UFC. Sense, does it, it doesn't make sense, no. because he is absolute mustard, and I'm delighted that he's in the UK fighting. Uh, and your mate's fighting. Your mate's having a little bit of a knock in The boy from the northeast, from the Geordie Shore, He's having a little bit of a turn. Listen, the thing is with Aaron Chalmers, um, look, he gave up, let's say, philandering yes. and drinking. Similar to you. To be pun- no, but That's I why you get, and him get on so well. I didn't, get, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't give it up to get punched in the face for a yeah, living, though. No. I mean, I, well, I talk for a living or I write for a living. He, he's and you didn't give it up. I'm only messing up. up. <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. Go on. But the th- the, you're probably right. But the thing is this. I've been on the road eight weeks the last ten, I'll have you know, and it's been a great There's a lot of philandering. There's a lot of philandering. The thing is with Chalmers, he gets so much stick on social media, like real hatred, and he's got anxiety issues anyway. He's similar to Tyson Fury that we were talking about earlier, that he's dealing with serious kind of mental issues at times. And I know, because I know him quite well, he's struggling to do things. He comes across a nice kid, though. He comes across as a nice boy. He's very shy. You know, he's up against a tough guy um, tomorrow night from America who's really up for it. I met him today. Um, Look, all these guys, they live and die and fall and rise by their performances. It doesn't always matter if they lose. It's how they perform. Yes. You know, and we, we are in the midst. I mean, we haven't said it probably for 10 minutes, but we are in the midst of an amazing period in fight sports. Absolutely. In mixed martial arts, in boxing of general interest, of massive broadcasting interest and monopoly money being thrown at it by the broadcasters. I tell you what, I'm going out to do a bit more philandering because I am absolutely cock-a-hoop to be involved in is, it all. Is that how you finish the show? Were you a bit of philandering? Well, I mean, I'm claiming to. <laughs> you're painting, you know? the, you're painting the picture. No, but, but it's, it's really nice to be sitting here as they wrap it all up because I can remember years ago being here at 25, 26 years ago running up the steps, going up there, and you rang your copy in yes. down the phone. Old school, yeah. At about 10 o'clock at night on a 10.30 deadline, Billy Schwer had just won, or, you know, Colin Dunn had just won. Um, local fighters, you know, the Gallaghers who were travellers from um, Camden used to fight here a lot. It's just, it's just an amazing place, and I think, you know, 
you just have to be careful whether you can get to your car or not afterwards. Yeah. Although they're all hipsters that live around they are, here. They are. There's shishi restaurants around here <laughs> these days. But we should go for a, a quick shot, a couple of shots down okay. at the Blind don't Beggar. Li- listen, my wife listens to this show. You don't tell her what I get up to after the programme. And listen, as Gareth said, we are in a fantastic place at this moment in time when it comes to fight sports. Bellator, of course, in London tonight. Uh, don't forget, in July, there's two back-to-back heavyweight blockbusters. You've got the Frank Warren card on the 13th, which involves Dubois versus Gorman and Joyce on that card as well, yep. which we were speaking about a little earlier on. And then the week after, Dillian White's having to go against Oscar Ivas. Oscar Ivas is no mug. That's a proper fight. And on the undercard, you've got Dave Allen taking on David Price in a domestic dust-up. You've got some absolute... Uh, Derek Chisora's on that as well, isn't yeah. he? It's an absolute great time to be a British boxing fan. And I'm sure if they can get it done... AJ's rematch will be in the UK as well, so we might have a little bit of something to celebrate. Listen, by the it's going to be year. a great um, autumn winter as well because you've got Wilder in September fighting Ortiz again. Um, in October, you've got Anthony Joshua probably in Madison Square Garden against. It'll be an interesting opponent. Well, Joshua will be later on and November, jo- but you're oh, talking sorry, Fury. Fury, 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 Fury in October the fifth yeah. in Madison Square Garden, yeah. and then you'll have Joshua back at. Man- I think he'll be back at Madison Square Garden. I just think they'll do it there. I don't think they'll do it in Cardiff, mm. um, and I think we'll be back there in in November. December and I do you know what the more I think about it the more I think Anthony Joshua will do it second time around look at you you're on the bandwagon I like it uh, listen thank you so much for listening to us tonight I hope you've enjoyed it you can download the podcast near enough immediately uh, after we've finished it'll be available on iTunes you're looking for fight night and you also can go to the website if you need an Android feed talksport.com we will be back next week picking the bones out of everything that happened in the world of fight sports throughout the course of the seven days previous take care Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.